0: All right, welcome to Film Yak, our weekly movie discussions. I'm Jordan, I'm John, I'm Kevin, and today we'll be doing a deep dive review of the film The Name of the Rose from 1986, directed by Jean-Jacques Annaud, starring Sean Connery and Christian Slater
1: and F Murray Abraham. F
0: Murray Abraham, Christian Slater in his first on-screen performance. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'll be getting into all that, but first we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we've been watching in the last week.
1: No, no banter on this episode. Are oh, you,
0: you want some banter? I mean, at, least, at hey. least.
1: like, let's just jump right into it. Thirty seconds after let's, we start the episode. Right? Let's banter. <laughs> Go, banter. <laughs> banter. You, you. I thought we'd talk about the um, that uh, trailer you posted. Isle of Dogs, sure. Yes. Lovely, lovely I, new trailer from I didn't Wes watch it, Anderson's and if you film. Want to say something
0: about it. I'm excited about it. I yeah, shared I'm excited it about it online. It, too. it looks great.
2: You went and watched it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. like you tagged me in it, and, and my brother tagged me in it. Oh, so yeah. you know, I'm morally obligated at this point. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. It's uh, Wes Anderson's
0: new film, mm-hmm. Isle of Dogs. Stop animation. So continuing that with uh, from Fantastic Mr. Fox. But yeah, the animation just looks even better, I think, than Definitely. Fantastic Mr. Fox and I'm really uh I think I'm just more intrigued by this story. Um mm. I don't know, just with Fantastic Mr. Fox is a great story based on Ro Dahl's book, but uh is this based on anything, do you know? Or Not is that this I an original of. story?
2: That's, yeah, I think this is an original story. Yeah. But it um I don't know, like Grand Budapest, the last movie that he did, it was an original story, but apparently it was also like heavily influenced by some series of books. Um, okay. They
1: talk about that in the film. Yeah. They talk yeah. about the author in the film. Right. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah.
2: And, and I'm sure
0: with Anderson, plenty of other uh, references, like oh, different sure. film influences yeah. and stuff. But yeah, Isle of Dogs is set in Japan in the future where like, there's a dog problem, so they a dog flu. A dog flu. Okay. Yeah. yeah. and Then they they set them, They put all the dogs on Trash Island, and so a uh, kid comes looking for his lost dog. Yeah. Looks really good, and lots of, um, you know, big A-listers as the voice actors and sure. everything. Your girl Greta Gerwig, she's in. Oh, this. she's in that. Yeah. I didn't even notice. I know Scarlett Johansson, uh, who uh, Brian Cranston.
2: A yeah, and, um, of the
0: other Anderson regulars
2: yeah jeff Goldblum uh Edward Norton, who has now become a kind of regular partner. yeah yeah like he started with uh moonrise moonrise kingdom, kingdom, and uh I don't remember him being in fantastic Mr Fox, but uh I don't think he was, yeah, but yeah. he was uh in Grand Budapest for a little bit, yeah, yeah, he was like the villain right. No, villains. he was one of the good guys. Um, Adrian Brody was the bad oh, guy. Oh yeah, Adrian Brody. Yeah. That's right. And Willem Dafoe, looking <laughs> oh yeah, decidedly Look, vampiric.
0: Yeah, looking like he's uh, back in Nosferatu
2: or something. Yeah, uh, Shadow of the Vampire, where he he plays the uh, was it Count Max-, Max Shrek? That's it, Max yes. Shrek. Yeah, yeah, the guy who
0: played Nosferatu. in yeah, F.W. He even played <laughs> Count Warlock. Yeah, Mur- in Nosferatu. Mur- FW right. Murnau Murnau something like that Murnau, Murnau. Yeah. yeah yeah all right well uh before we do the what we watch we wanted to talk about Harry Dean Stanton of course he passed away this past week and so just kind of in tribute to him we uh well Kevin actually said hey why don't we do a top 5 uh of his films so let's get into it I uh I honestly had to go back and kind of watch some clips and remind myself of harry dean i was like oh yeah Yeah. that guy that's right he's
2: great yeah so uh, i think he is one of those guys who like you know like you look back over his imdb and it's like he's in that yeah he's in that he's in that
0: yeah he's like over 100 things on imdb yeah i
2: mean and you know died at 91 and was still working regularly Has a film coming out
1: this year called Lucky, where he's yeah. the star of it. Oh yeah, saw the
2: trailer for that. Looked pretty. Is cool. that the one he's a sheriff? Or something? No,
1: no, that's uh, something else. Okay, this is yeah. so it's like a. He's just like a guy named Lucky. Black comedy. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, looks like it's uh, probably be fun to watch him in it. It'd probably be a terrible movie, but he'll be good in it. You
2: know? Yeah, he's one of those guys. That's what it looks
0: like to yeah. me anyway. Yeah, I think Roger Ebert uh, saw a quote from him that like any film featuring Harry Dean Stanton in, in you know in any role had to be good or something like that. But I don't know, I don't know how true that is. But it's, look, he's always good. So, all right, well let's do our top
2: fives. You want to start us off, Kevin? Sure. So, I am might, you know, these are some of the big ones, but uh, some of our listeners might know some of his better work. Uh, top of the list, for me, Repo Man, because he just kills it in that movie. And, let's see, so, and I also loved him in Last Temptation of Christ, even though I think he's <clears throat> maybe on screen for a total of ten minutes, if that. playing... Saul slash Paul. Saul slash Paul, and yeah, that that little that speech that he gives to uh, Defoe uh, during 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 the last temptation, yeah, it's very powerful. And uh, let's see, uh, Escape from New York. He's I thought he was good in that Alien, and one of like I was thinking about this. Um, He's he plays the detective in Christine, the uh, John oh, yeah. Carpenter Stephen King movie. Yeah, and like I, you know, thinking about it, I was like, yeah, he's like very like the ca- the character's not very big, but he makes it big just through his performance. So yeah, those are those are my top five. All right,
1: my list is on not in order, but because right. um, I find it. Difficult to uh, order them unless I rewatched them all, which I didn't have time to do. So I, I, uh, I'll just mention that I also have Repo Man on my list. Uh, he's, he is good. He's very funny in this movie. Um, he plays well with Emilio Estevez, and what is probably Emilio Estevez's best role. Also, uh, I also have Last Temptation of Christ on here. I, it's one of my favorite scenes when he, Willem Dafoe, is trying to convince him. Not to not to follow him, and he's saying it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you say because yeah. we have faith, and all. This. It's really yeah. really interesting. Um, and then I uh, <clears throat> I think it'd be any 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 list is uh, kind of missing uh, if it's missing Paris Texas. I mean, haven't seen Paris oh, Texas. No. Well, he's very good in it. Uh, mm. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I, I think he's uh, very very good in it, and it mm. has some very powerfully emotional scenes. Cool. Uh, he's uh, he's great in uh, Wild at Heart, where he plays Johnny Farragut. Um, oh yeah. He's very. Uh, I don't know. It's not like it's a different role for him, but it is a little bit. It's just it's just a weirder kind of area for him to be playing in. Because I, when I remember when I first saw the film, I thought he's in it. I'm thinking he's going to be like a kind of like a hard ass or something. But like he's mm. really like. Uh, what's her face?s uh, Bitch. What's like? What's the woman's name who plays? Was it the mother?
2: Oh, Laura. Dern, Laura Dern's actual mom, I believe. Sure, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I, th- I I think so. Anyway, the, mo- the, the most I remember from that <laughs> movie is yeah, like like I remember yeah. Lynch said that it's uh, Laura Dern's mom and like her, you know, putting the ma- the yeah, lipstick yeah, all yeah. over her face and
1: Diane Ladd. Ah, that's right, so right, right, right. Yeah, and Bruce Dern is her dad. I mean, that's right i just read that the other day i don't know why i couldn't remember that i when she won the emmy i I looked her up and read about her but um my actually uh, this is not none of it's in order except for i think my favorite performance of harry dean stanton is in uh the movie dillinger where he plays homer van meter ah and uh he's very good very funny and uh likable and uh just kind of a scumbag too though but like (laughs) yeah you you like him uh He's got some great great scenes and some great lines, and his he meets his end in a very bleak way, and it's it's very good. If you yeah. haven't seen Dillinger, get on it.
2: Get on it. I've been trying to find that, because that's the one where I it War, on, Warren I got o- it
1: on Blu-ray, man.
2: Oh, man, I need to get that I'll, from I'll you. Warren over. Oates plays Dillinger. <laughs> yes, he does, ah.
1: and he's phenomenal. Yeah. Then, uh, Richard... Not Richard... Yeah, Richard Dreyfus is in it. He plays... Um, Babyface Nelson. Oh, it's really weird because he's really like psychotic in it, and it's weird mm-hmm. to see Richard Dreyfus play this kind of off the wall. Yeah, like, well, he has like a, a very difference.
2: like Richard Dreyfus definitely has an underrated uh, like manic side to him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that that's not a play on him actually being manic depressive, by the way. Uh, but he is can, he actually manic
0: depressive? Yeah, oh, okay. um, I didn't know that. Well, I yeah,
2: know that um, I he was in. Uh, Stephen Fry did a documentary, "The Secret Life of the Manic Depressive," and he's in it. Oh, okay, um, along with like Carrie Fisher and uh, yeah. uh, Robbie Williams and a couple other big names. Yeah. So,
1: but yeah, he's he's good in it. But uh, like like I say, you know,
2: Harry Dean, it's great. Yeah. And I think that it's a
1: little, um, Harry Dean is a weird character because. Uh, Harry Stanton is a weird... I'm sorry, I'm referring to him like I know him, I don't know him. But <laughs> Harry, uh, Dean. Harry Dean Stanton is, is, a weird, it's HD. is a weird character because <laughs> it's like... I feel like he's gotten a lot of uh, play in recent years. Like suddenly yeah. he's real popular. Yeah. And like with all the hipster crowds and the cinephiles and everybody suddenly... Yeah. You know, in the last few years... And I don't really understand where it comes from. He's been acting since you know the '50s or whatever, but it's like yeah. all of a sudden he's the cool. He's so cool because he smokes cigarettes because he's old, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. he's like yeah the cool character actor that you should know. And it's like almost like this kind of like philosophical appreciation of him or something. But I don't. Yeah, I mean, he's he is cool. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah, it is like he's an interesting person and he's a good actor, but like. This whole, like, hero worship stuff, I don't... I, I can't get into it. Yeah, it's no, kind of
0: like, oh, he deserves his due
1: now, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with that. He deserves to the, the acknowledgement of being a great actor, but I feel like... It has very little to do with him acting. It's like almost like his persona outside of that. Is yeah. What yeah, people are interested in. He
0: does have an interesting persona. Like, a, did y'all watch that little short I sent y'all Some on of Facebook? It. You sent me uh, short? No, like a little n- the No Small Parts video. Oh no, I didn't watch that. Um, and it it takes a lot of footage from the documentary about his life. Um, mm. What was it called? Partly fiction. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, partly yeah. fiction and then you know other clips from other things but it was interesting just learning about his life and like his outlook on life and stuff it's kind of weird to do a retrospective of a guy who's like i don't want to be remembered i don't care doesn't mean anything you know that was kind of like his take so we wanted to do this uh this (laughs) top five i was like would he want that (laughs) you know but doesn't matter doesn't matter either way we're remembering he's remembering (laughs) his we're remembering his great performances so uh, yeah, so for me, the top five, I kind of had it um, in descending order. And again, I'd have to go back and re-watch and watch for the first time a lot of his films, but this is kind of what I could make of it myself. Uh, so number five, I had Cool Hand Luke. I didn't actually remember he was in this until, uh, again, I watched a, a clip online of him from that movie. I'd seen it before, mm. but uh, he's playing the guitar and singing uh, outside their camp or wherever they're at. And, uh, I don't know, I just respect a guy who can act and, you know, who's musically inclined, who can play the guitar and sing, and he does a great job in that scene. So, just very, like, sorrowful and kind of mournful. Right. Uh, he's playing, like, this old-timey hymn. Uh, number four, maybe a controversial pick, um, but he played the dad in Pretty and Pink. Again, something oh. I haven't seen in a long time, but I did see a, uh, a clip, like, a part of the retrospective I was watching of this moment where his daughter is confronting him about, I guess, holding on to his hope for their mom who, you know, they're separated or whatever. And it was just a very emotional and impactful scene. I thought he did really well in it. So I I don't know, put it on my list, Hmm. whatever. Um, Number three, Paris, Texas. Uh, this, like John, it's not a film that I remember like really caring for. Like when I saw it, I probably need to go back and rewatch it. Mm. But um, just just his presence in that film, like you know, he's like silent the first thirty minutes of it, and everything. And um, I don't know, I just think he does a really great job acting in that in that whole scene in that whole movie. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to go back and kind of revisit that with a you know deeper appreciation of the actor and I started watching uh Repo Man last night actually nice. because you know doing this retrospective I, I'd seen clips from that and I was like oh man I gotta see that like he he just looks like he rules in this movie he does and play. um that whole like the Repo Man code you know that those famous scenes where he's talking to Emilio Esvez driving around in the car and then they go to the liquor store and you know, he's just like, I guess he's on Coke at that point. He's just like all <laughs> hopped up and stuff. And he's like, um, he, he, you know, they're buying drinks or whatever. And he's like telling the cashier like, oh, calm down, man. Let me grab that for you. Let me do this. He's like, all right, have a good night. Uh, good day. Night. Day. Night. Shit. Don't care. Like what it done, done me shit or whatever, you know, like I was like, oh, that's so good. So funny. Um, and then, of course, a, a number one, I put Alien because, you know, yeah. he's he's really funny in that. He's really great in um, you know, one of my top films uh, I really enjoy. So. Cool. Good old Harry Dean. That's right. All right. Well, let's move on to what we watched recently. John, you want to start us off? Sure. Thanks.
1: <laughs> let me uh get my letterboxed up here. Got to
0: get that letterboxd.com right.
1: place to rate your movies. That is the my place. Diary. Okay, so uh, I went and saw um, the new Darren Aronofsky film, Mother! Exclamation point. Yes. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lowercase M. Yeah, with my uh, wife on Friday. She actually wanted to see this uh, more than I did. I think I, oh. I wanted mm. to see it, but I wasn't thinking it was going to be very much of anything. And uh, uh, you know, Kevin was talking to me about. Uh, we had dinner the other night and you were talking about, um, Aronofsky. And I I, had told you my feelings that it it feels like he hasn't found his voice yet. You know, it feels like just every film is different and he doesn't know what he wants to do. Mm. And I don't think mother uh, solves that exactly, but, uh, you know, it's still good. It's, uh, it's a very controversial film. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. People uh, don't like it. Yeah. Very some, polarizing. I do like it. Mm. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it I think it's... Uh, four out of five. So. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty solid. I don't think it's perfect. It's got a lot of problems. It's a little, mm. It is, it is heavy-handed, but it's almost a criticism that doesn't really work with it because it's like... I mean, is it like it's, trying it's, to be heavy-handed yeah, man, it's, in, the in a way? The whole thing is a metaphor, so it's like you can't... How is it not going to come off heavy-handed if every single thing in the movie is a metaphor? Right, which I'm, you know, I I would say it is. Uh, I mean, I had problems with my problems were more like, uh, you know, acting wise. Like I, I think uh, Michelle Pfeiffer isn't is is a little out of her league in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, she might have. I don't. I don't have a lot of opinion about her. I mean, I, I guess she might have been a good actress at one point. But dangerous she, minds. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, That's a complete joke. She's very, uh, <laughs> just, I, I don't know, over the top. And I mean, hmm. everybody yeah. is over the top in the film, but she's like in an, like another realm of, I don't even know. She doesn't feel like she belongs in this movie. Hmm. Uh, Ed Harris is, is interesting. little weird performance from him. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Those are actors that I wouldn't expect to see in very, an yeah, it's, film. It's weird, uh, yeah. but. Uh, speaking of uh, like so of the acting, I think uh, you know you go see it and you feel one way or the other about it. You might feel like it's misogynistic or it's heavy handed or it's uh, stupid mm. or whatever. And I, I should say for the record, my wife hated it. Yeah, I saw uh, her but, post uh, after yeah. y'all saw it. Like, yeah, she just, is. what the F was uh, yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I, was just, I <laughs> laughed like, out loud. It just, she yeah. didn't like it at all. But uh, mm. that's okay. Uh, she's not one for the 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 type of film this is yeah. with all the symbolism and that she wants she'd rather things happen in reality in a film which is fine. You know? uh,
0: what about the gruesome? ass she didn't like that, yeah. either, but
1: but I mean that's not something that's gonna that's gonna ruin a film for her. She'll just yeah. look the other way. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When I read about that, I was like, whoa, that is that he's like gone all <laughs> the
1: deep in. <end."> I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I I think that. Uh, I mean, what are you referring to? The baby? Yeah. Okay. I well. Uh, not to spoil anything i I don't see i it makes total sense in the context of the film. it's uh quite brilliant actually the way all that happens mm. and it is disturbing, but I mean, yeah. it's supposed to be <clears throat> he's he's in, he's inciting, he's provoking you know yeah, a, right and uh I think he's doing exactly what he set out to do. That's so like the next logical level
0: in that situation. No, it's not
1: even that. It's just that the, again, everything is as an analogy. So the the baby represents something. Yeah. Mm. So it has to die. And it has to, the other thing that happens to it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. And mm. you, you should understand that. You yeah. can imagine what the baby represents. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um and the whole film is full and of I haven't these, seen the film. It's full so, of these biblical yeah. it's yeah. it's got a very straight biblical uh analogy to it. And also a very heavy uh environmental theme. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they both work in tandem. And uh I, I, I just quite enjoyed it. And I thought Jennifer Lawrence, uh I think she's pretty hit and miss, but I think it's a very brave performance from her. It's really strong and uh you know she's uh she's his new main squeeze so uh, yeah probably be in the next uh, next couple maybe okay yeah but uh yeah I, I i thought it was pretty good i gave it a four and a four, four out of five and uh, also donald gleason is in it who is uh from the harry potter films and the, he's in the revenant and yeah. dread and all these kind of things and I, I used, oh, he's in Star Wars, right? Yeah, uh, I, Force Awakens.
2: Yeah, I love. Who's he in Star Wars? He's uh, the, the G- he's General Hux. Wars. Oh yeah, um, the fat dude. I love. I love the oh, skinny uh, guy. Oh no, Donald. I'm I'm thinking of uh, Brendan. No, his he's dad. His, son. Yeah, his okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love the speech Donald that please. he gives in Force Awakens. Like it's straight out of the Third Reich, and he does it so well as this like just you know. Over Imper- the top Nazi yeah guy. well yeah I mean imperialistic uh like the way the way he does like the received English accent that's very proper very British officer kind of thing mm-hmm. like he brings like a real reality to a science fiction epic so. I like them in the revenant
1: I don't remember him in force away I remember him being in it, but I don't remember his acting. And yeah. I, I thought he stuck out like a sore thumb in The Revenant, personally. Really? I, I don't find him to be a very good actor, generally speaking. But hmm. like in something like Dread, he does quite well, because he's yeah, like yeah. a cartoon character, essentially. Yeah. But, um,
2: and he's great in an episode of Black Mirror. He's I, he's I, really I,
0: great. Yeah, I remember you saying that in the past about The Revenant, but I don't know. Just, I don't know if it was his performance or just like his look. I don't know. I just I thought he was good. Yeah.
1: That's fine. You're allowed to think that. Thank you. you, yeah. you know. Appreciate I, that. Yeah. Allow us... <laughs> He, uh, but this is his best performance anyway in Mother, in my opinion. I think he does quite a good. He's barely, he's barely in it, but he does a good yeah. job for when he's in it. Sweet, and, uh, like uh, Ex Machina. He's terrible in Ex Machina. Hmm. That's an example of him being a horrible actor. And I playing was playing against <laughs> someone who is a great actor, and it just shows Oscar that Isaac. all the more yeah, how bad yeah. he is. Hmm. Oscar was, and, and Alicia Vikander is decent in that film and it's like yeah yeah he just can't he doesn't hold up against these people and it's the same for me it's the same thing with the revenant mm-hmm. he can't mm-hmm. hold up against Tom like Hardy and DiCaprio, and, and DiCaprio yeah and yeah even, the bear. even and even the other and even the other people who are in the in the crew he just he just doesn't strike me at he doesn't feel authentic in that film mm-hmm. and everything else feels very
2: authentic uh,
1: you're yeah. allowed that Thank you. So a <laughs> little,
0: uh, well, little trivia. When we were talking about Mother, I um, took a quiz online about Aronofsky's films and stuff and got most of them wrong because, you know, I'm an idiot. But um, <laughs> I did not seen them in like 10 years. Yeah, and seen, yeah, I hadn't seen them in a long time. But uh, I didn't realize that sticking with the biblical allusions, the original title for, or working title or whatever for Mother was Six Days, referring to like on the sixth day God made man and woman. So I was like, oh that's interesting. He's uh yeah, he's all into the biblical allusions.
1: He loves the Bible. Um after that I watched rewatched uh Black Swan because it's you know, also by Aronofsky. A, uh, yeah. Par- paranoid thriller from Aronofsky about a woman. Yeah. And uh it's better than Mother. But it's not perfect either. It's got some problems, but it is actually better than I even remembered it being. I mm. remember kind of like, hey, it's all right, but it's actually quite good. And, uh, in my opinion, I think the direction is, uh, really amazing in it. And, uh, it's when he did Wrestler and Black Swan, it seemed like this is his thing now. You know, he's going to do these, uh, quiet dramas with, uh, you know, handheld camera, right? Documentary style. But, uh, than he did noah you know it's like yeah noah is like trying to be the fountain but it's also handheld for some of it it's really weird i don't know uh. so that's what i mean when i say he's kind of schizophrenic with his style um yeah. but anyways black swan his is, mother handheld weird. at all oh all hand-held. all hand-held? all of it he just likes that there hand-held. might be a couple of shots that aren't i mean there are shots that are like clearly there's a lot of choreographed uh sequences like movements and uh things where they're like you know they're showing jennifer lawrence reacting to something and they pan over and show what she's seeing and it's like a lot of people doing a lot of things uh so i mean probably some of those shots are probably like dolly or something i don't know but, yeah um black swan is quite good i liked it a lot and uh, i can't say enough about i mean i feel like natalie portman's a little overrated at this point but if it, i think it derives from this film in which her performance is like amazing
2: yeah, Blake actually just rewatched Black Swan too, like mm-hmm. kind of, like I think like the same night that you watched it. And like yeah, he was telling me about it later, like he said Natalie Portman just kills it oh, in that. She's movie.
1: unreal. Unreal good. She goes to some crazy places. Mm. I liked um, her in Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's great in the professional.
2: Um yeah. <laughs> uh
1: I watched uh rewatched Uh, Beauty and the Beast, directed by some guys who worked for Disney at the time. (laughs) Uh, From 1991, uh, Mm. the Disney animated film. We went and saw it in the theater. My wife, Impulse, bought uh, tickets to see this and Princess and the Frog in October. Mm -hmm. And I had seen Beauty and the Beast in the theater before when it came a couple of years ago for some anniversary, some Blu-ray release. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so, this is my third time seeing it in the theater, I think, which is weird. Um, But it's, uh, in my opinion, best of the best as far as these movies go, uh, and still not perfect at all. Not even close. You gave it a four out of five. Yeah, I I like it.
0: Looking at your letterbox, and I'm sure you'll talk about uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, in a minute. And I was was like, it's like two and a half. And then Beauty of the Beast, four stars. I was like, whoa. That's uh interesting. That's
1: see, that's uh, assuming that you can compare Mary oh, yeah. Christmas, Sister Lawrence, and Beauty oh, and, that, and the Beast.
0: I don't think you can, but it was just shocking. It I was mean, like, honestly, oh, he didn't like that, but he likes Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. Beauty
1: and the Beast to me is a, is better at what it's trying to do than Merry Christmas, Sister Lawrence is. Okay. It's more successful. Yeah, and it's much more entertaining. It, Way it's more a, entertaining.
0: It's an entertaining, fun picture. Good song. I mean, yeah.
1: I I still laugh at parts of it. Yeah, which is. Ridiculous because, like, I was here laughing when me. I was a child, and I'm still laughing yeah. at moments. Yeah, I laugh more than my wife did, and she's the one who wants to see it. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
0: it's good. I've watched it recently with my kids, and yeah, it's a
1: solid Disney flick. It's so. good stuff. Um, so I watched, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yeah, uh, directed by uh, <laughs> Nagisa Oshima, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh from Kevin is beat red in the studio here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was a requirement of uh, Kevin put on me to watch this film because he mm. beat me in a star rating thing. Star uh, rating battle. So I watched this, and like I said before, the first six minutes or so, mm. six out of five. <laughs> right. The music yeah. is phenomenal in that first sequence. The acting is phenomenal in that first sequence, and then everything just kind of uh, all that the things that are phenomenal kind of go downhill for me. And I think that the acting is the acting is my main problem with the film. I thought that um, who plays Mister Lawrence?
2: Uh, Con- Tom, Tom Conti. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's not good. In my, he's awful in this movie. Like he's, he's like, he's like. He, it's not even that he's awful. It's it's more frustrating than that because he's like straddling competent acting, but then every once in a while he'll dip over into like this horrible, over melodramatic like. Just some of his lines are really bizarre and they're weirdly delivered. And I don't know. I just feel like he's maybe... (laughs) I don't know. I, 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 I struggle to define what's wrong with his acting. I just don't like it. But I will say, Bowie, David Bowie is in this movie. Yeah. And I don't have a problem describing his acting He's out of his depth in this film. He's he does not he's terrible in this. And I mm. like Bowie as an actor a lot. Yeah, And I think that there are movies where he's truly great. See Last Temptation of Christ. He's great as Pontius yes, Pilate. Yes. He's great in Tony Scott's first film, The Hunger. He's uh, terrific in uh, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, which is not a great film, but he is great in it. And this is like... The Prestige. Yeah, I don't remember that. But I mean, I know he, he played Tesla. I don't yeah, remember the yeah. film very much. I haven't seen it since the theater. But I'm sure he's good in it. This is like, I don't, and it's and it's not all his fault. It's not all Tom Conti's fault. I feel like it's the direction of the characters, and like what they're asked to do, and and uh, it just it just strikes me as very like false and not like interesting. Like like it should be interesting. Like the idea, some of the ideas, like uh, the scene where. Um, he sneaks the food in with the flowers in the bag. Yeah, yeah. And then he, after they catch him, he's like, he eats the flower. Yeah. Like, that should be a really cool piece of direction. But, like, the way he, something about the way he does it, like, his movement even, (laughs) it's just like, and it feels like a nitpick, I know, but it's like, it just really took me right out of it. I was like, and the way he's reacting to them, like, he's so defiant and cool. It's just like, come on, man. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, be a little, be a little vulnerable. You know? And then the, the, um... Any 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 of the flashback stuff, I can't
2: deal with. I I rewatched this, thing, you know, hoping we could you know talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I can see why John wouldn't yeah. rate this very high. It this is this me. is kind of like all of the hallmarks that John is not a fan of. <laughs> I mean, like, like... over-exposition and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, lots of expo- exposition, the flashbacks, and, like, I, I do agree that, like, some of the, like, uh, tonality of the movie is very, like... I mean, at times, it's like... Like, uh, uh, Takeshi is a great uh, example. Like, uh-huh. at times, you know, he's, you know, Mr... Mr. Hard yeah, guy that who's first like, scene, he yeah, it's
1: that guy in the face with the bamboo. I'm thinking this yeah. guy's going to be. And the, then, and the then villain. some,
2: and then sometimes, you know, he's like very, you know, deferential and, you yeah. know, meek. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's a the scene where he like gets drunk. He's like, and releases, uh, Bowie and Conti, like today, I am father Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas! I actually, I <laughs> would he's say being though, being comedic and kind of yeah. all over the place. Well, I thought that scene was funny because you know, like uh, I don't know. To me, it seemed like Takeshi was actually drunk on Saki. <laughs> I mean, he could have been. I, I like um,
1: Takeshi, and he's the only person I've found to be competent in the film. I thought Sakamoto might have been the worst actor out of any of them. I think his performance is really like he he he's clearly not. Uh, an actor at that point, and yeah. He, and it, it shows, can, you know.
2: I can see that, um,
1: and it, I don't know what the deal is either. Is it a cultural thing? All the makeup that he, he, they talk about it briefly in the in the in the music making of thing. He talks about how he had to wear a bunch of makeup. Like I don't understand because nobody well, else is, but he's wearing the, all this makeup.
2: I don't know. Like I think it might be, um, yeah. Like I think it's very briefly mentioned in like one of the scenes about how like there was some, there was an uprising in Tokyo and he wasn't there for it. And so now he kind of feels like, you know, maybe not exactly dishonored, but like he feels like, uh, you know, he has no like real purpose. It's et cetera, like et cetera. sex in
1: Gundam wing and he wears the mask of shame, I guess. <laughs> nice um, reference. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing the makeup of shame. Yeah. I mean,
2: um. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know.
1: I don't know. But what also, you're talking like about. <laughs> I, I, like
2: I'll get into this a little later. But like, sure. uh, I watched uh Death by Hanging mm-hmm. by Oshima, and yeah, a couple of things to talk about on that one. But yeah, I I agree. Like it's it's very like I think it's a very experimental movie for Oshima. Um, having, really? I mean, uh, oh, I, I'm not I'm not a. Oshima scholar. No, I mean, by, I, 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 I but think like, it's interesting
1: that you use the word experimental at all with it. Like, how is it experimental?
2: Well, having having non actors, like you know, having musicians in the in the lead roles, okay, yeah, and also like, um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the time they're speaking Japanese, but it's uh, a lot of times they're speaking English, and you know, it's very the movie. Like, the thing that I like most about it is like it very much captures like. The culture clash between these two obviously very different cultures and it gets like real hardcore into like the japanese mysticism like you know they think bowie is a demon who's possessing sakamoto Hmm. and i mean i've also read some criticism that uh sakamoto is hard up for bowie but I can see it to a certain extent, but I also feel like he looks at Bowie, like, especially in the courtroom scene. And he sees a guy like, he sees like, this is a guy who has belief in what he's doing. He knows exactly what it is. He has confidence. Why don't I have that? You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm clearly in the, you know, the superior culture. Why am I the one who feels so down on myself in the presence of this, of this man? Um, I mean that, you know, could just be my personal reading into it, but I feel like it's done very well in the course of the movie. Cool. John, I was going to ask you, do you think you kind of hyped yourself up
0: uh by only, <laughs> only watching the first 10 minutes being like, "Oh, this is great," and then having that length of time before you went back and saw the whole thing? Or did that No. You don't, don't think that think so. affected anything? No, okay. not
1: not really because I mean, it's like I would feel it that way. I is. would feel that way if I just like the movie didn't. The movie really doesn't live up to those first six minutes, and it's like it doesn't. But it's like uh, I can I can explain why I don't like it. Mm. I like there are things I don't like about it, and none of those things are in the first six minutes. Those first six minutes are good. I like I'm like when I say You're that, that first six that minutes, first yeah. that song, the theme "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence" yeah. Sakamoto theme is unbelievably good. Yeah, and it really works with that tracking shot of them walking over to the uh the little thing that they the interrogation or whatever. Yeah. And uh that first scene when he walk when he wakes up Lawrence in the in the thing and they talk to each other and all that's great. I like all that. And I I thought that was what the movie was going to be mm. and it just kind of isn't. It's not really about it's not I guess that's my biggest problem with it. It's not really like it you think it'd be like you, you read about it and it's about POWs in, you know, uh, Java or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm thinking it's going to be a, like a prisoner of war movie. Like it's going to be about these guys and, and it sort of is, but it's really not about that at all. It's really more about the, like you say, the culture clash.
0: Yeah. You wanted more deer hunter, Russian roulette,
1: no, I don't want dear. This guy, who's being antagonistic now. <laughs> no, I'm saying that's a it's
0: a POW movie. No, where, it's not. Well, I mean that there's POW. There a scene that's Yes,
1: you wanted that to be the whole movie. No, I didn't. I no. wanted it to be. I thought it might be more like. Um, okay, for one, obviously it's a POW film. What do you what do you expect in a POW film? A lot of torture. No escape. You well, expect them to be trying to escape. So like I was thinking, The Great Escape, obviously, because you know The Great Escape is the the quintessential World War Two POW film, and uh, obviously I don't expect it to be like that in a s because I mean this is more like Oshima is clearly like an art house director, mm. and I mean you know A Great Escape is like a big Hollywood you know uh, jerk off fest, but it's like but it's a it's a good movie, and uh, I expected yeah there to be something more to it other than this like heavy theme of like you know. Uh, Tom Conti trying to bridge the divide between the British soldiers and the Japanese soldiers, and then when they right. when they brought all the uh, the English soldiers out, there are certain things I just didn't even understand. Like, and I'm I, I don't know if I was checked out or what, but like Sakamoto orders all of the uh, injured to come out. Yeah, look, like, why? Like, what does that what, what does that have to do with any? Like, I shouldn't understand. It just like feels like all of a sudden he's like evil, and it's like, why are you acting like this? You haven't been acting like this the entire movie. You've been like. Relatively level-headed, and like all of a sudden you're like this evil bastard. And I was expect, I was really expecting them to execute everybody because they set up the machine gun. Yeah, right? and I was like, what are they? I was like, obviously they're just going to execute everybody. Well, I think um,
2: then they don't. Well, I'm like where I need my blood squibs. <laughs> I need here. my squibs. Here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean personally, I I think it's um, like I kind of can see his. Decline into into madness, mm. trying to figure out Bowie and not being able to at, at you know every given turn. Yeah, and also like uh, again with the culture clash thing. Um, like there's the scene after the Korean guard, um, uh, finally does the harikari and then and Sakamoto declares, um, uh, you know, none of you are gonna eat or drink. For two days and you're going to be confined to your quarters in uh and the, Brit- the british god what does that mean lawrence what does that mean <laughs> and uh like it's he thinks it's a cure for laziness why does he talk about laziness ah, spiritual laziness right and you know like you know if we do it he will too you know like so i think it's I mean yeah I, and I that's... I I feel like the audience for this movie might might have been slightly confused. Yeah. Um I mean I Oshima might have had a very, you know, definite audience for for this movie, but like I feel like you know, western audiences, I mean, they can kind of see where the cultures are clashing, but like unless you know a little bit more about British culture or about Japanese culture, I feel like you can Get lost in some of the some of the, you know, little intricacies that they kind of go into.
1: Yeah, you know, I will say I like the ending of the film. I yeah. like the last scene with Tom Conti and, and Takeshi in the in the prison cell. Yeah, and like uh, and Takeshi just, does a even great last, job in that. Yeah, and even the last the last moment, I think it could it could like be conceived as like or perceived as cheesy or something, but I actually really liked it. I liked the Me whole, too. Thing. Yeah, I Kevin
0: said cool. earlier yeah, that you broke his heart. With uh,
1: giving it a two point five, sorry Kevin. Yeah. You know we are we are we are our opinions. You know I yeah. mean I guess, yeah. you know what do you want me? To, you want me to lie to you and tell you I loved it? No. Look <laughs> like, hey no because you know it would come, come out else. anyway. <laughs> I just let you borrow the limey. That's you true. If You give that two stars, which you probably will, Ted. I, two I star expect, Ted. I ex- you know that's fine with me. You didn't like it, but I think okay. I think you're gonna like it. I, it's fantastic. You never right? seen limey? No. Okay. Um, China. Like, mate. I don't. Know. <laughs> okay. I rewatched uh, *Requiem for a Dream*. Mm. More Aronofsky. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. You got Ar- to. Uh, you got yeah. to. Probably, probably will rewatch Pi and then do like a top five on my letterbox or top mm. whatever his his filmography ranked. Right. Um. Yeah, *Requiem for a Dream* is uh good. It's uh. It's a little uh. I can understand criticisms of it from a filmmaking standpoint. Like it's a little film schooly, mm. like there's film schooly. Yeah, like it's uh, you know stuff you would expect to see from like a first time director yeah. in the '90s. All
0: the editing and the
1: close-ups, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. It's very indulgent and um, oh, yeah,
0: There's close-ups but of the fridge as a teenager. That was like, oh, this is so cool.
1: Yeah. Mm. I, well, I mean, I was... Iris
0: is dilating close-ups and yeah, psh, fat, you know
1: <laughs> all the crazy editing. But yeah, mm. I can see what you mean. I'll say I, I still like all that stuff. I think, yeah. especially I like anything. I like extreme close-ups of anything. I like yeah. close-ups. But High I think the, I think the editing makes a lot. I mean, obviously, it's very appropriate for the subject matter, and yeah, I, I, I think it's great. And what's interesting about it is, um, I was telling Kevin how my wife would never watch this film because she can't stand needles and she hates uh, uh, yeah. see tourniquets especially. She doesn't she hates the tourniquet more than the needle. Mm-hmm. But in this film, Ooh. you only see a needle going into an arm one time oh really uh, and it's uh everything else is done with this editing where you actually only see like their pupil dilating and then like you see like a close-up of veins and stuff running through veins mm-hmm. but it's like this x-ray vi- you know version yeah. of it, which isn't you know wouldn't upset her uh, she watched it with me actually oh there, wow and uh it was uh yeah it wasn't nearly as uh disturbing in that way i'm sure it was disturbing
0: in other ways for her, i mean like not to me but, towards, uh, yeah, she, towards she, the end
1: there. uh yeah. Well, no, I mean she I, she doesn't she doesn't have a um When they cut takes, off the dude's arm? Yeah, she just didn't look, you know? But oh, I mean, it's not okay. like something where she's going to be like, "Oh my god, they cut off that guy's arm." Yeah. But I mean, for me, <laughs> yeah. for me it's
0: like you, you know, beyond the imagery, it's like the emotional drain or impact by the time you get to the end of that film where it's just like the greatest PSA on don't do drugs that I've ever seen, you know. Yeah, I
1: mean, uh I think that that's definitely uh, you know a message of the film, and I agree it works that way. Yeah. But I and I and I do get I it's emotional, it's affecting, uh, especially the the um, the mother stuff. Oh yeah, a, a, by Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Burstin. Yeah. Uh, and the music. She's great. I actually think the music is probably the weakest part. Really? At this point, yeah. I think to uh, me that uh,
0: music at the end, though, with all that going on, it's just.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's that it works with yeah. the film, and some of it's good. But I think uh some of the it's very like techno pop at times. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty dated, and yeah, uh, it doesn't sound very. <laughs> good. I haven't
0: seen it in so many years, but I mean, it's same stuck year. with me. But but I, I could see. I that. remember
1: thinking Jared Leto was like really good in it. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah. on, Ma. I need he's, the
0: money, ma. Yeah, he's he's let <laughs> me break
1: my own my set, <laughs> yeah, he set. Yeah, yeah He sells her T V is that? Yeah He's all right. He's not he's not phenomenal or anything. He does he does his job. Marlon right. Wayne's how did he hold he's up? He's good, you yeah. Know, he's he's all right. And uh Jennifer it's, it's good to watch now because nowadays it's like you watch it and you haven't seen Marlon Wayne in so long, it's like it doesn't even matter. Oh, yeah. It's like you don't even think about him as being like one um, of the wayne's Strangely brothers cast, yeah mm. jennifer connelly's fine in it too i mean she's kind of over the top and there are also these like sequences there's one that sticks out like a sore thumb really bad where uh she goes and meets the her therapist who's played by the guy who's in pie sean duggett or something i forget his name anyway mm. um and uh she he's talking to her and she has to come she's gonna ask him for money for which he's gonna demand sex yeah and she knows that, so she's like trying to build up to asking about it. She's like trying to psych herself into it. Mm. And he's talking, and he's kind of he's he's condescending a little bit to her. And uh, and then she just grabs a fork and like jams it in his hand, and there's blood everywhere. Oh yeah. And then she's like, ah, she's screaming in his face and stuff. And then it cuts back, and she's just imagining. That. Yeah. Stuff oh, like That's like you know that's like you just cut that you know who cares yeah like, we get it we get what she's feeling you don't need to like show us blatantly that. She's upset about having to ask this guy for money and having to sell herself.
2: Yeah.
0: But, um, I remember it being pretty shocking. They were like, whoa. And then, yeah, it cuts back. And, okay, that didn't happen.
1: It's weak. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty weak. Yeah.
0: Rewatch it. It's weak. <laughs> that, for me, this is probably one of those one timers. And I've heard other people call it a one timer. Like, yeah, I don't plan on rewatching that anytime soon. I've probably but seen
1: this movie like a dozen
2: times. Really? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably watch only watch it thing. again if it was, like, assigned. Yeah. <laughs> the, the now we know point. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> There's not another Aronofsky movie you would have me watch more.
1: <laughs> now you've seen The Fountain. It's over. Yeah, uh, true. I watched uh, – I rented three films. I rented uh, Merry Christmas, Sister Lawrence, mm-hmm. and The Name of the Rose. And then I also saw uh, the beautiful La- My Beautiful Laundrette, which was just recently released on Criterion, Blu-ray, and on the, on the library shelf. So I rented it, too. That's yeah i was about to say it.
0: where'd you rent it from the library yeah i'm proud of you thank you for getting getting your fines down you can use your card now you brought
1: them back today too. all right all time. on time right. whoa <laughs> upstanding <laughs> citizen such a dick <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I also sorry. saw
2: you had future days by can so props. Yeah, i
1: traded traded that back too. it's good though uh
2: yeah i uh Anyway, I uh,
1: rented My Beautiful Laundrette, which is directed by Stephen Frears from 85. Mm. Stars a, a very young Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, and I've heard about this film being like a tent pole of early queer cinema. So I yeah. uh, wanted to see it as it's you know important to that uh, genre. And um, it's okay. It's not that great. But I mean, you know... I think it's its biggest uh, sin is that it's just kind of boring. It's just kind of like... Yeah. The story's not very interesting. It's about this uh, Pakistani, young gay Pakistani man. Actually, to say he's gay is a little weird. He, he's he's interested in women, too. It's really... But anyways, he um, he's kind of shy and uh, does kind of directionless and lives with his father who's sick and old. And uh, his uncle sets him up with a job washing cars. And just quickly quickly he becomes real good at the job and and he rises quickly and his uncle eventually gives him this job of handling this laundromat and uh he has this dream to make this laundromat great and he reconnects with an old friend Dano day lewis who has become like a not a skinhead but certainly some kind of nazi right winger
2: hmm. uh yeah, there was a lot of that going around in the in the '80s in England. There was yeah. a big, big nationalist movement. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so they obviously don't care for the Pakistanis, and uh, his. So, but but Daniel Day Lewis is gay, and he loves the Pakistani man, and they are to, you know they're together secretly. Ah. Um, but his friends who are the right wingers they obviously hate the pakistanis so <laughs> there's a conflict there which is kind of interesting but it doesn't it doesn't really play a lot with that i mean it kind of culminates with that but all throughout the film that's a very like minor part of it it's more about the pakistani it's not more about it's not so much about the relationship it's about this pakistani guy uh building this laundromat up and like dealing with his family and his family wants him to do Wants him to marry this girl who actually is his cousin, which is really weird. I don't know if that's, like, a cultural thing for them or something. But, mm-hmm. like, it's his Maybe. uncle's daughter. So, like, he wants her, yeah. him to marry her. Keep it in the family. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, his his uh, dad is, again, like, sick. He's having to deal with that. And, you know, it's <clears> a lot of different things like that and there's like this like weird crime element to it where hmm. his other uncle is a drug dealer and he ends up stealing drugs from him to finance the laundromat reno- <laughs> renovation but uh you wow. know
0: it's okay film I, set around a laundromat i mean how could that be boring right it's yeah. uh <laughs> it's not it's
1: not like it's not like it's a you know piece of junk or anything it's all right it's just not a i give it a three out of five it's okay. all right i'd watch it again at some point in the distant future um and then finally uh Yesterday we had an open house at the school, so I had like two hours to kill, and I decided just not to go home, just stay at the school, and because uh, I can get struck at school. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So I watched uh, Oshima's Night and Fog in Japan. Have mm-hmm. you seen this?
2: No. Okay. Um, I've trying whole... to watch more Oshima you movies. You should see this
1: movie, because this is... Way better than "Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence." <laughs> Night, <laughs> Night
0: and fog in Japan. Yeah, that's the title. Okay,
1: "Night yeah. and Fog in Japan." It's from 1960, and it is about uh, student revolutionists, or revolutionaries, mm-hmm. revolutionists, revolutionaries. <laughs> uh, it's actually about these two of two of them who are getting married, and then some other ones crash their wedding to confront them about how they're not being revolutionary enough anymore being married is not part of revolution and you're not supposed to get married or have romance and everything (laughs) and uh the film is unbelievably well directed like Ah. there are so there are like no cuts in scenes every scene is this beautifully choreographed movement of camera from one character to another as they're having debates about Marxism and, and the, the different uh, treaties that they're protesting and things like this mm. in Japan at the time. And the camera's just flying around the room, just showing all these different people. And then it'll cut to like a flashback, it'll fade to like the flashback of when they were in uh, college. And it's just about, the film's about conflicting ideologies and um, you know what it means to believe in something like that politically. Mm. And it's just really, really very engaging, uh, pretty heavy, but very engaging. Hmm. And I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. you gonna have to check that out. Correct so, me
0: if I'm wrong. Isn't there another film on Criterion called Night and Fog? Just yeah, it's Night a,
1: and a, Fog? Elaine uh, Rene film, the French guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. about the Holocaust. It's only like 50 minutes long, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a film. It's on. It's on okay. Criterion. Yeah, because all right. I'll Unfortunately, sure. uh, that film just got re-released on blu-ray uh, in the past year year and a half and uh it's like i say it's like 50 minutes long but it still costs 40 dollars on dang blu-ray, which is just like,
0: watch it on filmstruck huh or I is mean, it is it, it up on filmstruck own i own
1: it i want to own it on blu-ray but it's yeah you're like gonna update bucks. this for 50 yeah, minutes yeah yeah, yeah. it's That's on f- i'm sure it is on well i say i'm sure it's on filmstruck *Merry christmas sir lawrence is on, on filmstruck and it's been on criterion for a long time so yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what they're rules. What are their policy yeah, is for yeah, what gets put up, yeah. And uh but yeah, that's uh that's all I watched.
2: Okay.
0: Good stuff. Well uh Kevin, what have you been watching man?
2: Let's see. Uh let's see started off with the uh Kieslowski's three colors trilogy. Um all three of the movies I think were just okay. I think the second one white Is probably the best, Um, but I I found them mostly pretty boring. Um, Good acting, but you know, doesn't like doesn't have a whole lot of. I didn't think it had a whole lot of emotion in any of the movies. Um, You seen those, John?
1: No, yeah, I haven't. seen I I don't have a whole lot of interest in watching them either. Our friend Sean raves about them and has told me to watch. I believe he said blue was his favorite, and I, I just, uh. I just, I can't even. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I just have very little uh, drive to watch them. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, if you're looking for like French and/or Polish people who are like really trying to figure out their lives, <laughs> I'd, oh, I'd, I'd say That's it's what I'm always looking for. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean perspective Obviously. man totally yeah
0: that's i've always heard people rave about them but yeah as well i had kind of like a little drive I, I know i need to see yeah, them eventually or feel like, like i there's should see them so but...
1: many french films i haven't seen yeah you know, yeah the, these movies from the 80s or when are they from, 90s, 90s? I think. early 90s early who, to mid like, 90s who could care like i got I <laughs> a lot have of so people much, apparently i still have, i have well, never I'd seen, rather i've never watch... i've never seen a, a jean-pierre melville film before you know what i mean like i should yeah. probably watch uh, some melville before i go into the three colors yeah sunday yeah, i hits feel it's from 1993 or
2: whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. no I, I i get where you're coming from yeah and, and i'd yeah. be more interested to see That's uh kind of luke uh earlier movies like uh the last the last battle or uh i have that downloaded yeah Le that Dernier combat yeah <laughs> <laughs> the last battle yeah uh and also i mean i've seen subway are uh, oh, you talking about I, jules, I, yeah he need- said jules Dasson or the luke basson or Luc yeah because um, he he started to come around like late 80s early 90s and um, yeah um, La Denier Combat and Subway and uh, then you get to uh, Nikita which I've seen I, I think it's actually pretty good I like it um, then, and then you get up into uh, The Professional yeah. and yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many like
1: Valerian, the masterpiece of his career. um,
2: Yeah, (laughs) not here, guys. No, uh, yeah, let's let's we got to put that one to rest. I guess at some some point. Okay. Uh, Also, let's see. I rewatched Calvary. Um, Brendan Gleeson is so good in this movie. He's a priest in a small Irish town on the Irish coast, and he's dealing like he's he's a priest. Dealing with a town that really has no interest whatsoever in anything religious or spiritual, um, the the entire town um, seems to be like really just up for debauchery, and uh, you know they they could care less about anything that he has to say. So he's he's <laughs> very sarcastic and but he's a good hearted guy. So he still hears their trouble. Uh, the open, the opening of the movie, he's in the confessional booth and a guy tells him, I'm going to kill you a week from today. You're going to be on the beach. I'm going to kill you. Uh, there, there are reasons, but uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather you see the movie. Yeah. Um, so you're just, te- but yeah, you're just teasing us then. Well, yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of this
1: uh, director and his other work?
2: I let's Have see. Have seen In
1: Bruges with Colin Farrell? Same guy? With, or uh, or no, or uh, different Gillespie. different guy. No, same guy.
2: No, uh, no Martin no. Ma- uh, McDonough, right? No, uh, let's... no. This one is John Michael McDonough.
1: Oh, there's two different McDonoughs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I this guy might be like his brother or something, cousin, cousin. Yeah. Uh, oh, I
1: did not know that. Oh, I'm think. Oh, I might have been confusing
2: it then with. Oh, yeah, like Seven Psychopaths and in, in Bruges. There's a reference to in Bruges in Calvary. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is reading a newspaper and on the like bottom cover, like uh, two hitmen wanted in child murder. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah.
1: This guy wrote uh, directed The Guard.
2: Yeah, which uh, I've seen that, but. I, I remember thinking it was okay, but I'd have to watch it again to really give any kind of judgment on it. But um, I haven't
1: seen. I guess I haven't seen any of this guy's stuff. Then yeah. I
2: saw uh, in Bruges, and
1: um, thought it was okay. Uh, but then w- when when I guess yeah, so Martin McDonough. I guess they are. I guess they're brothers or something. I guess when oh, he yeah. did uh, Seven Psychopaths, I I yeah. really I was like I can't I can't do it can't do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Seven Psychopaths. Like it was just. Too meta So Speaking of that Harry Dean Stanton Yeah Harry Dean Stanton But like you got a movie Where like Okay it's d- Written and directed By Martin McDonough It stars Colin Farrell As a Screenwriter Director Named Martin Who is trying to Write a <laughs> screenplay Called Seven Psychopaths uh, Okay. And then it's all You know It's all the, meta All the psychopaths That he meets In the course of the movie oh. And it's it's just Dude it's Just like, uh, write about the seven psychopaths. We don't need to know all about your process of how you of how you got to it, or I don't know. Maybe you didn't get to it. Like maybe it's like eight and a half. Where like yeah, I was about to say maybe, like he, maybe, maybe he's ripping off Fellini. Uh, yeah, this is the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll make a movie about making movies. Yeah,
0: have you? <laughs> it's seven. Uh, it's got a number in the title. Totally.
1: Have you heard of uh, the new his new film? Three billboards outside of oh, yeah. billing. I Montana heard about that. No. I, didn't, I didn't realize that was the same guy. <laughs> that being
2: Missouri, no, I hadn't heard about it that. It Looks
1: good. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. It might not be, but it looks. It's good. That's what
0: got Peter Dinklage and it's um, got Francis, Francis McDormand. Star okay. Of it? okay.
1: Got John Hawks and Sam Rockwell. Oh, Jan- uh, and yeah, Woody Sam Earls Rockwell. And, yeah, it looks yeah, good. Peter Dinklage is, is in it. Maybe I don't know okay, why he stuck out be. in my mind. I was like,
0: oh yeah, midget.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm being. Well, I mean, he's like, sensitive. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. a little bit, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sam, so, yeah. Calvary, amazing, four and a half. Um, okay. Let's see. Rewatched uh, Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence, on John's recommendation. We were talking about uh, Cormac McCarthy the other day, and thanks to another friend of mine who let me have his HBO Go password yeah. to watch Sunset good, Limited. Good friends. Yes. <laughs> um, I think like. The acting. Wait, what did you say you watched? The Sunset Limited. It's basically a filmed play by Cormac McCarthy. It was directed by Tommy Lee Jones. He. It's and it stars him and Samuel L. Jackson. I think the acting is really great in in the in the thing. But uh, my my only thing is like you know it's it's an hour and a half in one room and it's two dudes talking and it's very like. Um like, Tommy Lee Jones' character has been, like, he tried to commit suicide, but Samuel L. Jackson saved him, so he brings him back to uh, his apartment, and, like, they're talking, and, like, and it's basically an hour and a half of pessimist versus optimist, and I don't know. For me, it just didn't sustain for the entire hour and a half, but I I do really like Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones in this. I'm still thinking I need to meet this friend with uh, this
0: HBO Go password. You know him. You know him? Yeah. You know him. Is he in this room? No. Okay, I
1: thought you were talking about John. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) God, why are you holding out, man? I have HBO now. Okay. I pay money for HBO. I don't cheat. I used to cheat, but we are. The the guy stopped (laughs) paying for it, so we don't have it. We pay like $13 a month for it. (laughs) Oh, that's yeah. Uh, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Worth
2: every cent. We love it. Sure.
0: Okay. What else you got, Kevin?
2: Uh, Let's see. Rewatched Life of Brian because I assigned it to Jordan, who also broke my heart. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, The Samurai Trilogy um, by Hiroshi Inagaki. Again, like the the first one, I thought was pretty good. Like it uh, establishes that. Tashira Mufuni's character is, um, you know, he's uh, born into, like, the lower class, and he wants to be a samurai, and, you know, he's, you know, all full of fire and everything, like, typical Mish- Tashira Mufuni. Yeah. And, yeah, so that one, that one I gave three stars, but the next two are two and a half, because, like... The end of the 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 end of the first movie, he goes off and, like, you know, he's going on his journey to become a legit samurai. The next two movies feature very little of that. It's, like, uh, the, I guess it's, like, what I guess would be a Japanese soap opera
0: hmm.
2: at some point. Because, like, there are two women who are interested in him, and one of them's, like, following him, like, you know, through the entire storyline. Are they hot? Kind of. <laughs> uh... Um, at least there's that. Yeah, and like, and at the, the end of the second one, like this one girl who's like been all over him the entire time. He and he finally like tries to kiss her, and she's like, "No, no, what are you doing?" And you then were, <laughs> you've been leading me in, on, lady. Well, and then like, so he like backs off, and then he leaves to you know further his samurai education. And then she's like, "Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go?" Like, so Barbara. Yes. I, he went to a soap opera?
1: No, it's basically there in opera. a soap
2: opera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh let's see. And then uh let's see, uh <laughs> The Girl with All the Gifts. You love her.
1: this movie. Yeah.
2: One star. Wow. What is this about? Um so it takes place in England, there's a zombie epidemic, and this time for extra fun, it's a fungal infection. <laughs> okay. Which I'm like How can this not be good? Well, like at this point, I'm like, as soon as as soon as Glenn Close says that it's a fungal infection, I'm like, okay, let me just w- read the Fireman by Joe Hill again, because that one at least was interesting. But that's a reference that all our listeners will totally understand. I hope so. <laughs> if if you have a chance, read the Fireman by Joe Hill.
1: It's really not. I I feel like it's a more of a. Uh, I haven't seen the film, but I I am aware of it, and uh, it mm. seems more like a uh, the fungal thing is more just capitalizing on on. Last of Us, the popularity of the video game Last oh. of Us, which is also a fungal zombie thing,
2: that might be why I don't have a better appreciation for the movie. I don't know, like half, not aware half of, it of these like, things. Well, half of it is half of it is zombie apocalypse, and then the other half of it is zombie version of Lord of the Flies. Because uh, okay. um, there's a... there's something with like with the fungal infection, like it can get into. Uh, babies in the womb, and so they become zombies in the womb, nice. and they can... End, and so they so their it's way it's out like, of the mom? Yeah, in, instead of C-section, it's basically O-section. Or Z-section. Whichever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, like, the, there are these kids who are, like, born with this, but they're, like, sometimes they're kind of okay, but sometimes they're not. Um, the, the, the main character, the girl with all the gifts, like, she's in, like, this uh, army compound, where they're you know holding the kids and try to figure out what makes them tick, why they're different from all the other quote unquote Hungries, which is what they call the zombies. That's brutal. It is Hungries. Yeah, Hungries and um, Hungry Hungry Zombies. Hungry Hungry Zombies. And yeah, so so there are these kids who have like been born into like civilization, and they're like you know on a fairly even keel until they like start really getting a scent of human flesh but then like they like they have to they have to leave the compound and they end up in london and there are all these other kids who have like the same thing but you know they've been living on their own for goodness knows how many years so lord of the flies Hmm. um so what kind of I, gifts does this girl have uh she's really smart she Isn't can she, she can immune? do the
1: she's not like immune to the thing or whatever no she
2: uh, no she thing. she's she's a she turns into a zombie when she smells human flesh oh wow but I, um
1: yeah, I don't, so she can and go there's back also and forth? this
2: there, yeah she goes back and forth hmm. and there's also like uh there's this special gel that the people that the non-infected wear to keep like a hair
1: gel in their hair,
2: no, a skin gel to keep oh. their to keep the kids from smelling them. That's so they cover their whole goofy. bodies in gel. As far as I know, yeah, that sounds dumb. Yeah,
1: Is would tell Edgy in this movie? No, he's who's, not. Who in is in uh, this?
2: Let's see the uh, let's see the biggest names would be Glenn Close and Patty Considine. who like I he's a, I like him as an actor. I think he's pretty sure. good in this. But the, the movie itself is just brutal. It's I it had so some bad. stars in it. I don't know why I thought that.
0: Well,
1: Glen Close? Mean, I mean, star, like, you know, <laughs> she's, a, she's the main character? Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, um, what else you got? Last but not least, uh, watch Death by Hanging by Naki Sawashima. And. Not quite as good not, as no, John's. Not nearly as That's good so as John.
1: You don't have to point that out. That's rude.
2: <laughs> I was trying to give you favor, <laughs> man. <laughs> At my expense. At your expense. Anyway. I um, Oshima. Yeah. So it's about um like the movie opens with this with Oshima himself doing this narration about um the death penalty in Japan. And like there's a he shows a poll of like who thinks it should be abolished, who thinks it should be kept, uh who's undecided, and and then it's like, you people who, uh, want to, who don't want to abolish the death penalty. You ever seen an execution? You ever been inside an execution room? And so, like, they go into an execution room in this, in this prison. And, like, it, and so this guy is about to be executed and they go through this execution, but he doesn't die. Mm. So... Then they get into, like, all these moral dilemmas. Like, well, is he brain dead? Like, is he still technically a person? Can we kill him again? I mean... And, you know, like, well... We can't execute him again. He was never officially executed. And uh, the, the prison chaplain, he's, like... His soul's in God's hands. Like, do what you want. And so, like, it goes into this thing of them, like... Eventually, he comes around and they're trying to like get him back to the murderous person that he was before he was executed so they can kill him again basically mm-hmm. and it's this uh, it's this really interesting look at like you know not only the death penalty but like um you know who deserves to be executed um you know d- does mental retardation or any of that play a factor in it um and and yeah like him like tech- kind of being a non person like what's what is what is the ethical decision there and then uh, like it gets real funny because it like in a like very really funny in a dark way cuz they're like trying to reconstruct like the murder and the rape and like there's there's a part where they actually like leave the prison with him and like retrace his steps mm-hmm. and uh and then then it gets into this whole thing about him being a cultural Korean and um like it's actually based on an actual guy who um was a cultural Korean who like did uh some rapes and murders of some japanese schoolgirls and uh and then like he wrote a book about it and it became like the biggest hit sensation book in japan that year and oshima actually said like this is the most important pre-war japanese any of anyone in the country um did i say pre-war or post-war you said pre- pre-war post-war. post-war sorry post-war okay. uh yeah, he said this guy was the most important post-war Japanese person by far. Hmm. So he gave that movie a four. Because it sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's It gets really funny with how ridiculous they get. Yeah, it sounds kind of wacky. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that was it. All right. Well, also rewatched uh, Life of Brian. Yeah. Which uh, signed it's Jordan. I guess
0: we can get into
2: that. Um, Let's go. And
0: it
1: should be noted that uh, this is your favorite film of all time. Yeah. Uh, yes, and that you gave this a five out of five. Yes, this also is a, this is a
2: seven out of five, as far as I'm okay. concerned.
0: And also, if you're listening, uh, yeah, Kevin, you've made a top ten list on yes. our website, and yeah, this being number one. But if you're interested in Kevin's uh, top ten, we've got that on our blog. Just click blog on uh, FilmYakPodcast.com. It's Check it bottom out of the screen. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I watched Life of Brian last night mm-hmm. and, uh, I really went into this like thinking, you know, this is, you know, religious satire and, um, you know, making fun of Christianity and everything. I felt like this is going to be, you know, offensive or, uh, you know, but, you know, trying to go into it with an open mind and everything, or mm-hmm. this is going to be like a really deep criticism of, uh, Christianity or at least, you know, making fun of it a lot. But to, it, I, really I, I watched it I didn't really have a, a big problem with that aspect of it I mean I thought there was you know some funny elements um like the stoning in the beginning yeah. <laughs> uh where they're about to stone a guy because he said the name of God and then like the Pharisee I guess who's having him stoned accidentally says Jehovah and they all stone him instead <laughs> and throw like this giant rock on him I thought that was pretty funny um And it was, like, less of a straight-up, like, satire or making fun of, uh, you know, faith and and Christianity than just kind of, like, poking fun at the times, I guess. And, I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, religious satire, too, but uh, I guess it was done in a way that I didn't really have, like, big a problem with that. Mm. My main issue with the film was, like, I just didn't find it that funny all the way through. Like, I gave it a 2.5. Like, I just... There's some same
2: thing you gave to Hard to Be a God. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's you didn't right. didn't find that one funny either. Uh, apparently.
0: Well it, that one wasn't trying to be funny, at least. Like this <laughs> one I felt like there's lots of times where they were trying to be funny in the Monty Python way, and I just didn't find it that amusing.
1: Well, I think uh having not seen Life of Brian, uh-huh. but having a deep, deep uh unappreciation for british comedy i, I don't find uh, i don't find british comedy to be my kind of thing and yeah. i feel like yeah, if, yeah. If, if you know just kevin this is your thing you yeah. love british this stuff is, i'm all and about the british you man. love british shows books music movies <laughs> you are all about britain you're an anglophile and you love this kind of thing, so obviously mm-hmm. uh, Monty yeah. Python it's is going his... to be big for. It's going to be his speed, not yours, maybe.
0: Well, that's the thing, though. The whole time I was watching the film, I kept being reminded of how much I did like Monty Python's uh, Holy Grail. Like growing up, loving that film and, so and thinking some... it's hilarious, right? But I was like, maybe if I had seen this at a younger age, I would have like appreciate some of the humor but maybe if with, you watch holy grail now it would may, suck may, and yeah maybe if i watch holy grail now i wouldn't like it as much because i'm not 14 anymore you know on the outside at least but um uh, <laughs> life of brian there to me it felt really redundant like they the comedy like i felt like i was hearing the same joke over and over even though it wasn't the same joke it was mm-hmm. like the same setup like miscommunication between characters like one person says one thing and the other person reacts in a very British Monty Python way like the beginning uh, with blessed all the cheesemakers did he say that and then you know, so you oh, know, com- comedy. Kevin's
1: favorite part. <laughs> comedy
0: about mishearing somebody. Well, and then later, there's a,
1: there are other. He's mentioned. That and, and then too, there's like a there's a whole like back
0: and forth about this guy calling the other guy big nose and just like this name calling and stuff. Which, that was a lot <laughs> of the film. Just, just he's just cracking it up talking about it. Yeah, it was it. just like it. It was very childish <laughs> and immature. <laughs> it just wasn't that funny. It was like. It's like that kind of humor just not for me I guess That's I don't a, you know.
1: know. It but is what it is
0: <laughs> later on in the film Brian uh the main character he he gets kind of dropped into a situation where he has to pretend to be a prophet. He does the same thing where he's like quoting a a verse for, from the Bible as if it's his and you know it's this back and forth like consider the lilies and then the the characters listening to him are like the lilies. And it's like he's talking about the flowers and then like I don't know It's just I don't know. <laughs> It, didn't, it just didn't do it for me. Right, I, I'm totally butchering it, right?
2: <laughs> like, I'm,
0: and then the whole stuff not, with not, Pontius Pilate, like him, <laughs> him, having a speech impediment, is like, all right, like, and they they just belabor this kind of thing on and on. I'm like, all right, I, I'm just kind of bored, honestly. Oh. So sorry. Let's hear your, your rebuttal,
2: Kevin. <laughs> Well, I mean, if it's not for you, it's not for you. I mean, I just. All like, right, well, I have I, one more
0: point. Okay. All okay. Right. So I, I know it's a comedy. It's Monty Python, and they're just kind of stringing these gags together and everything. Yeah, sketches. I'm,
2: yeah, it's just a bunch
0: of different sketches. But one thing that really bothered me was like, come on, guys. You can find some more actors. You don't all have to play like six different characters. Like that was distracting. Like John Cleese is like the centurion, and he's like the leader of the people's front of Judea or whatever, and he's like five other bit parts. I'm just like, really, we couldn't yes. find some other other people like to play these other it's parts. Funny, I don't it's funny. It's funny
2: you bring that up. Uh, and maybe, I know that's
0: kind of like their shtick. Like they're like, oh well, yeah, but you know like, five. Then, the troupe of Monty Python or they're all playing, like, everybody. There's, yeah, like, yeah. I six mean, characters played 40 people or whatever. But, yeah. I don't know, that, was, that just didn't do it for me. And maybe that was why it felt redundant because it's, like, the same voices. Or in they're in, in their using, you know, different, like, character voices and stuff. But it's, like, yeah. the same faces, you know, just in a different costume. I don't know. That that didn't do it for me. Mm. And I was going to say with it being a comedy and Monty Python and, like, sketches. Mm-hmm. I wanted like I didn't. The main thing was like Brian's the main character, and yeah. it does it some in some way like try and have a narrative or a plot where you're following him into like how he gets involved in like the political movement and stuff. And like once that started going on, I'm like oh, there's a plot here, and like it kept going. It's just like I just wasn't invested in his character, engaged, and, like, maybe I shouldn't have been. It's just, like, it's just Monty Python. It's just a comedy. But I was like, I need a little bit more to, like, pull me into this. And I was just kind of watching it go by, like, whatever. You didn't and,
2: feel like that he was put upon and misunderstood through the entire movie? Like, I mean, it
0: got to that. Like, the whole
2: thing with him, like, pretending to be a prophet, he's just doing that because so, the other prophets are up there, wow. you know, and so he has to kind of do this and, you know and to them only shall be. And by now the centurions are gone and you know, he's baited the crowd. So that gets them, that gets them going. And I guess that part time, just leave me alone, leave me alone. I guess by that point, like I was already
0: kind of bored and like it, that like did develop like, Oh, he's mistaken as the Messiah later on, like towards the end. But that again, just kind of felt like, like another sketch and then tagged on. And then like, and then he ends up, you know, being mistaken as a messiah and the movie goes on he he's crucified and they sing a song at the end the end i'm just like i don't know just didn't really do it for me is
2: pissed he's so mad (laughs) i i just don't i just don't get it now you know (laughs) how i feel when you rate paul thomas anderson (laughs) films two out of
1: five kevin 2.5 boogie nights two out of five (laughs) get dead my friend (laughs) hey this is his moment to be back unbelievable
2: (laughs) so
0: so what don't you get what's your what's your rebuttal
2: well me like I mean uh, granted I am I am a fan of Monty Python uh, and you know and, and you know I'm Giggling like an idiot just thinking of just thinking about what uh, is said in the movie like like the scene with the sony like when when the one person throws the rock like hey we haven't started yet and then come on.
0: Who, Who threw, threw that?
2: it? Yeah, that was a funny Who threw scene. that stone? Come on! That
0: scene was probably one of my favorites, and the beginning where uh, they, <laughs> the three wise men, mistakenly go into <laughs> the Cohen's house and uh, mistake Brian, face, the baby Brian, well, as the Messiah. So? Yeah,
1: <laughs> good old. I think, I think you just like this movie so much because of the voices. In the quotes that you can do in the voices,
2: that's a little bit of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that I mean, was I can quote that it was I've
0: seen it so much, but uh, that was kind of a problem for me. It was just like the the voices
2: all kind of got annoying and, and well dull. Uh, well, I did I did want to say like uh, in their next movie, "Meaning of Life," uh, the them playing all the characters. Um, apparently, at one point, some someone from Actors Equity showed up and got all out of sorts because they were playing all the parts. Um, oh, like the union yeah, or something. So like, like, oh, you need to putting, get these you're parts at, to Yeah, more you're people. putting actors out of work. Yeah. But uh, Meaning They're of horrible. Life had a huge cast. Like, mm. uh, Yeah, the Pythons play a lot of parts but there's also a lot of other parts that, you know, don't, you know, like, you only see them for one sketch because Meaning of Life is is a bunch of sketches and it doesn't have a strict I like that Brian was, you know, did that character? Did that actor play multiple people too? Uh, he's in. He's the one who asks, uh, if asks about the aqueduct when they're talking about what have the Romans ever done for us? Oh, okay. and uh,
0: I like that. Well, mainly I couldn't recognize him in any of the other parts. Maybe he played some other
2: parts, but yeah, they I thought they, they kept, kept him mostly as Brian because he was he, he was he, Brian. he was Brian. He's yeah. the lead character.
0: I thought they could have benefited from some more actors in there bigger
2: cast but
0: well yeah Bob Hoskins
2: just, was supposed to be in it but uh, he ended up having to pull out for some reason and Terry Jones ended up taking his spot in the, uh, the scene yeah Willis Wadwick. I think he's Willis Waja I think he's credited as Bob Hoskins he might be. on IMDB <laughs> I
0: was like Terry Jones is Bob Hoskins? I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah,
2: 'cause uh yeah, 'cause Bob Hoskins was supposed to, was supposed to be in that, but he wasn't able to make it for whatever reason. I did like um Terry Gilliam as the jailer.
0: Like the <laughs> like the Igor looking yeah. creepy looking dude. He <laughs> Look always that. plays that kind what of that part. Of... Favoritism. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just wasn't whatever, funny. man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like quite at laughing up, but <laughs> like,
1: whatever. I I haven't seen it so I don't don't
0: well now we know what he's going to sign you next maybe I don't know well Well, um, (laughs) continuing with what I watched I also have been watching uh, some Cowboy Bebop which is an anime from the late 90s that uh, I haven't seen probably since high school a friend of mine um, posted something you know YouTube videos like you know Cowboy why Cowboy Bebop has the best English dub of any anime ever and if you're not really familiar with anime they typically have pretty horrible english dubs um, and i remember when i watched this as you know a younger man uh that you know i liked it i i like you know i still like the show i still think it's a great show i um but i remember thinking oh the voice acting in this is really great and and i guess just by comparison to other horrible animes uh, that we had to watch with horrible english dub so, you know, with his post, I went back and started watching some of the episodes on Hulu. And I was like, yeah, this is still a fun show, but the acting is not that great. (laughs) Like, compare, you know, like with all the hype and praise that it's gotten and, you know, Mm -hmm. the memory that I have of it. I'm like, I still like Spike and Jet, the main characters, and Faye. Like, but even some of their acting and maybe it's the writing kind of falls flat or, or comes off a little melodramatic but there's like a lot of bit characters and like smaller parts that are just like typical bad anime dub and just like really stiff or over the top. But um, I'm probably on like episode five or six now. I'm enjoying it, I'm going back and re-watching it. So still a great show. Where are you watching Who? it? Who? Uh, on my iPhone. <laughs> in my bed. I mean, where though? Where?
1: How are you getting it? Hulu. Oh, okay. Thank yeah, I oh.
0: mentioned that. But yeah, uh, Anna, I've uh, started Repo Man right after I watched Life of Brian. Had to get that bad taste out of my mouth. So I
2: was like,
1: you oh. oh, gotta
2: watch something wow. good. Wow. Huh.
1: Salt in the wound.
2: But yeah, got about halfway through. I believe through. this knife is yours. Uh, thank uh.
0: you. <clears throat> I'll need that for later. Um, yeah, about halfway through Repo Man. think it's, it's really good so far. And liking, liking the direction and the, the soundtrack and Harry Dean and Amelia. All good stuff. So cool, cool.
1: I like good. the punk guy, the other, like the kind of villain punk guy with the uh, white t shirt. Yeah, bald, the bald dude the yeah, in the restaurant. It? He's like, come on, let's go do crimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I like how they just pop up,
0: like, in random scenes, like, you know, when they're uh, getting the liquor yeah, at the store, yeah. and then they pop up behind the counter with the guns to the, the Asian <laughs> cashier. I thought that was great. great.
2: Yeah. I like right. the product placement in Repo Man too. Like drink just drink cornflakes. Yeah. That's pretty great. Drink
0: F you. Flakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my uh Emilio. Yeah. Alright, so let's move on to our deep dive. Uh now that we're an hour and a half into the show. <laughs> uh deep dive of the name of the rose. That's what we'll be
2: talking about. Um, Kevin, you can do like a brief synopsis for us? Okay, so Sean Connery and Christian Slater are Franciscan monks who are coming over to a Benedictine abbey in the north of Italy while the Spanish Inquisition is going on. And when they get there, they find out that there's been a death under mysterious circumstances. And seeing as seeing as Connery has been part of the Inquisition, and is known to be of a very sound mind. The abbot enlists his help to figure out the cause of the death, and this soon unravels into a much bigger murder mystery that plagues the Abbey. All right, thank you,
0: Kevin. So before we get into the deep dive, we're going to do the star rating battle, where we try and guess each other's star ratings for this film. And I have and, my predictions
2: for you two guys.
0: Yeah, since it's your pick, you get to guess Thank ours, you. but you don't
2: actually get to battle. So. That's right. So what are you going to guess Let's for us? see. Jordan, I'm going to say three and a half. Because um, I know you're a big Christian Slater fan. He loves him. He loves him. I like some yeah. Christian Slater. Cuffs is like his top. <laughs> Haven't seen Not Broken that. Arrow? Broken Arrow oh, is... Too, um, but, uh, no, no. Probably he- heather's is, is just... Right what, there next to his heart. What
0: else? Yeah, you know, what, what Christian Slater film What? it? Oh, uh, have y'all seen Gleaming the Cube? No. It's like a skateboard movie <laughs> uh, from the 80s, but he's the star.
2: Only skateboard movie I can remember seeing is Brink on the Disney Channel. You should
0: go watch some Gleaming, Gleaming the Cube. Okay, he's, he's okay. pretty great in that. See?
2: And and it's probably a trash film. I don't know. It's wow. like a B-80s movie. <laughs> anyway. And for John, I'm going to say three stars.
0: Hmm. Mm. all
2: right so
0: it's down to me and john we're gonna battle it dun, dun, out dun,
1: dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. Ah. all right john what are you what is your guess well, for, I wrote it down. for me I,
1: I had a card written but i forgot it at school because we're doing uh, this uh three hours late uh so i wrote it down just now okay so I wouldn't you know i i say you're gonna give it a, a three
0: okay i'm also gonna guess three for john i wrote it down here i'm going piece of paper. Looks good. Yeah. Three for John. So we shall see at the end of the show what right.
1: uh, what we'll actually give it. So I also wrote down my rating on here so that I couldn't cheat later and be like, well, you were wrong. I gave it a five. Or that's right. I gave right. it a one. Or I, you know what I mean? Okay.
0: So, so you guessed three for me. I'm guessing three for you. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm writing down my rating so I can't cheat. That's good. i yeah, that. Thing. All right. Um, <laughs> Kevin, you want to give us your... Review since this is your in your top ten as well on yes, our me, uh, on our blog. This
1: is in your top ten, yeah, yes. this is
0: number nine
2: on his top ten. So okay, tell us why. <laughs> I have a feeling I might have rated John a little too high with the no, stars. No no, 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 that's
1: not it. I don't. Understand. What'd you give John? What did you give it? Five?
2: Are you sure? I could have sworn you gave it a four and a half. No, Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence. gave four and a half. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You didn't rewatch this. Did you rewatch this? Oh, uh.
1: For this show? Yeah, yeah. You did? What? Did you rate it? Yeah, five. Okay, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he how rated I'm sorry. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm confused. I, I think
2: I forgot to say I, that I rewatched it. I was
1: thinking, for some reason, I was thinking, well, I guess because of America's Mr. Lawrence. I yeah, said, yeah, it yeah. It's yeah. a four and a half. And then I'm like. And then you're like, is well, how's on your this on your top ten? ten? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: And
2: what? You said three 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 and a half for me. I'm thinking three and a half for you, three for
0: John. Three for John.
2: Okay, yeah. just to get that straight. But yeah, so your review. I love this movie. I think, like for me, this is the best that Sean Connery's ever done. Ron Perlman is amazing. Uh, Like Salvatore, Salvatore, he you know blends seamlessly into all the different languages, and he's like really playing up his um, his his, hunchback hunchback look. But also, you know, he's missing all his uh, his teeth except for one right in the front. I will yeah, say uh, he had and, a very uh, believable hunch. Yeah, <laughs> you can see it. Uh, at yeah, one point, you can actually, shirt off. Yeah, you exactly. See it. Yeah, when he's when he's being tortured by F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, um, who is also very good in this, in like just being you know the witch hunter of all witch hunters. Uh, just the like, witch hunter like, of all witch hunters. Well, okay? like I, no, I was, was wa- like watching just it want again. To remember like, I that? See, I see in his eyes, like you know he's he, like. There are a lot of things in the movie that happen that are, like, really convenient. And, like, you can kind of see it, the glee in his eyes that, like, he wasn't planning on any of this. But he's like, yeah, I got him. And, uh, <laughs> now I can get old Sean Connery. Yeah, well, it's Sean Connery, uh, Remigio DeVaragine, and uh, Salvatore. And, All uh, these people that
1: we yeah, know, I'm sure. And, uh,
2: uh the guy who and um uh, ilia baskin the uh the herbalist i've seen him in a couple of movies he's in 2010 all right um uh, and he's also in uh, moscow on the hudson um yeah he's uh what are you doing <laughs> i just point that you're just having fun no with i your just want to say so so what is it about this film that you love I think the acting is great. I really love the score. I listen to it a lot. On unfortunately I don't have it on vinyl, but I do have it on <laughs> CD. Uh, James Horner. James Horner. Late, great the late great. Yes, with uh, like a lot of really great string arrangements, say, uh, a lot of really great choral arrangements. Yeah, I
1: haven't heard the score isolated from the film, but in the film I found it to be uh good, really uh very, very subtle for a James Horner score, especially from the 80s. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, his other films, but, I mean, he, like... Can't I mean, say that I am. He did the score for, like, uh, have you seen Krull? Krull?
2: Yeah, Krull. Uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo? No, 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 That's no, the uh, Conqueror. Yeah, okay. Krull oh, is an 80s, like, sci-fi uh, I have seen film. that one, but it's yeah. been, like, forever.
1: Anyways, and he did like Braveheart and Titanic. He tends tends to do these very bombastic, uh, epic scores, and this one I felt was very, very restrained. For yeah, I can't
0: even say I remember the score honestly.
1: I can't remember the melody, but I I noticed it when I was watching it. I liked it quite a bit. I just don't. I just remember. I was kind of shocked it was Horner doing it. Hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, But yeah, all the uh, yeah medieval instruments and. the Latin uh, hymns and all that, great and like the mystery, I think is really well done. It doesn't give too much away, but at the at the same time, you know, like um, you know, it's kind of like it's a surprise, but it was also inevitable. Um, yeah, wait, love, wait, I love I love this movie. What's a surprise? The mystery. The, the uh, reveal. Oh, who the, oh, yeah, who who the who mastermind it? is behind behind the murders.
1: Yeah.
0: Alright. Yeah. That's all you got? Uh Let's see. for your top ten. That's all you got?
1: <sighs> well, I don't
2: want to take time from <sighs> know, everybody I, I else. Don't. Go read the paragraph feel... that he wrote about it
1: on his did you write about it on your top ten? <laughs> uh
2: no, <laughs> no, no I, I didn't. Unbelievable. I, I, I just
1: He's I got just, nothing. I just
0: posted. No annotation. No annotation.
2: Well, <sighs> It's okay. I'm all right, so team. you don't want to take
0: too much time
2: from us. Yeah, I'm also cur- I'm also cur- I'm also curious answer. as to what you guys think because I'm sensing some okay. I'm sensing some vibes here. <laughs> some vibes. All right, John, what's your vibes? Oh,
0: what's your I, uh, what's your
1: review? I have a lot of notes. Okay, um, so it's gonna take me a few seconds. You want okay. me to go? Uh, no, I don't uh, <laughs> at yeah. all. Uh, so first, I wrote what, are you uh, just jumping on him, maybe? starring Christian Christian Slater. Christian, Christian. Oh, <laughs> yes. nice. Uh, Christian
0: Slater plays a Christian. Yeah. A lot yeah.
1: of a lot of Sherlock Holmes referencing in this movie. Baskerville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did that do? Not it for only you? that, uh, like he literally says, "My dear, so elementary." Yeah. yeah. In the beginning of the film, was, yeah. which was uh, that a plus or a minus? I don't really know. I don't. I don't mind it. I just. I feel I thought it might be a little bit heavy, like directly yeah. quoting it like that. But William of Baskerville. Uh, that doesn't. No. That doesn't bother me so much uh i just i mean i there's was definitely like obviously a comparison between sherlock holmes and uh william of baskerville in this film um no i like the film i thought it was quite good i uh yeah. uh thought i like the look of it i like how gritty it is yeah how kind of disgusting everything is and cold and yeah dirty and um i think sean right out there is with hard to be a guy no it's not not close, not, not close <laughs> at all <laughs> I think uh, it's like it's like a, a Jean-Jacques Anod's uh, film uh, previous uh, Quest for Fire have you seen Quest for Fire no I need it's to it's like that uh, Ron Perlman's in that too and yeah. it's about oh, cool. cavemen and uh, very dirty gross grimy kind of a thing um yeah, I, uh, I think Sean Connery is, like, he's good in it, he's entertaining in it. Sean Connery's one of those actors who I don't really consider to be, like, a very good actor. He's just, like, yeah. he's just, a personality. Just playing himself. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Kind of like star-casted. A Harrison Ford or, yeah. or, or, yeah, or Schwarzenegger, yeah. I always say, like, these kinds of people, where, like, you enjoy them in movies because you want to hang out with them, but, like, they're not, like, turning in great performances necessarily. And I think, like, he's great in certain things. Like, he's great in Untouchables. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I think he's... Very good in this, very enjoyable to watch and some and I like the way he plays it. Um
0: see one of his predictions was that you wouldn't like Connery in this film.
1: When did he say that?
0: Uh to me personally, like all so oh, When yeah, you, yeah. you when you weren't around no, when I, we were I talking don't, about
1: you. I, No, I like I like I like Connery. Actually, uh performance wise I think uh my biggest complaints would be uh F. Murray Abraham and uh, uh. and and I, Sorry to say, uh, Perlman. Just I don't know man. <laughs> too much. I mean, yeah, a little bit. A little okay, over the top okay, I with can it, see that. You know? yeah. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, not, he's not terrible in it or anything, but he's just he's going a little overboard with a little hamming it up a little bit. Yeah, feels uh, yeah. like he knows when he's on camera. You know, yeah, <laughs> it would be crazy. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's fine. And uh, I like Ron Perlman. Yeah. to an extent but it's like you know yeah and, and he
0: looked really short I guess because he's, he's doing the hunch yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know you know, you, you read oh Ron Perlman's in this and then you he's see like him and he's like feet tall, yeah. he's like two feet tall in this moment
1: yeah so uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no and I and I thought F. Mary Abraham was I mean he's, he's competent obviously he's a good actor yeah. but like I, it's more his character I feel like his character is like extremely one dimensional and like yeah. clearly drawn and, underwritten and, and it's just the fact that he mm. I think it's the fact also that he doesn't show up for until like an hour and ten minutes into the movie you know? yeah that has so. yeah because and yeah. especially
2: like he's kind of built up a little bit uh, from from the beginning yeah um, Bernardo Gui is that his name? Bernardo yeah. Gooey. Yeah. Gooey. And it's I mean, like... I mean, Gooey, you know, slime ball. Gooey. Yes. gooey. <laughs> oh,
1: <those> are, <laughs> I didn't even think about based that. Based on a real guy. Yeah, based on a real guy. Now, that's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's Gooey. He's a slime ball. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, that's rough. Yeah. He wrote it down.
2: <laughs> I, uh...
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, liked the, uh... You know, like the, the mystery was okay. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious like what was going on. But I like the idea that of the uh, book with the poison on it. Yeah, and I love the labyrinth maze sequence where Christian Slater has to like use the thread of his cloak to yeah, uh, yeah find his way back. I like that a lot. I like anything that like I like that kind of stuff in movies where they show like. We were talking about when we did the Chinatown episode like a year and a half ago. Yeah. We talked about how he puts a stopwatches underneath the car so you yeah. can tell when the car moves. Those little yeah, details, yeah. That's yeah. great. Like, that's his second Very
0: Very, uh, are you all familiar with M.C. Escher and, like, his famous yeah, sure. corridor yeah. painting? Those Crazy I, stairs. I thought, yeah, We've the crazy seen stairs with picture David Bowie. or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that, that,
0: there was a shot that was of the labyrinth in this film that looked like they were replicating M.C. Escher's painting. I'm sure painting. that was a yeah. direct reference.
1: Uh, I think Slater, uh, his, he's, he's not bad in it, actually, but his accent mm. is, like, really sketchy. Like I can he's see got like yeah. British, like He's Master. British, like, yeah. 30% of the time, and then the rest of the time he's just, like, speaking like Christian Slater.
0: Master, why are the people dying?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's it's his first movie. Yeah, I yeah. Get, I mean, yeah. yeah he wasn't like, bad, though. I did not yeah. think he was bad. I thought his accent was bad. I yeah, think, I think he's fine. And he's right, right. He, I mean, he plays against Sean Connery fine. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Especially for his first role. I mean, yeah, playing against I mean, Sean Connery. Let's see. Uh, and getting
1: naked. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, I say uh, they. They say. Uh, let's see. They all the all the quotes from the monks. <laughs> uh, about uh throw throw away the books and mortify your intelligence and yeah. telling sean connery that he idolizes reason and like yeah. how they're so against learning and yeah. like, using your brain <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like absolutely absurd that felt absurd to yeah, me yeah i was of, like kind of uh but i mean i could believe it i mean it's and it, it's cool because uh it's interesting to see the character like of. Baskerville because he plays this uh religious man who is also like a man of science. Yeah, um, yeah. And and he's and it seems like they're trying to paint the Franciscans as if that's what they are and then there's this other sect of monks who are like like ultra anti-intellectual. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Well, there's some of that but like uh uh Ubertino the one who's like uh you know try not to learn too many bad lessons from your master. He reads too much. The bald, uh, he's crazy he's, dude yeah he's another yeah. franciscan so and, yeah. he, and like the franciscans yeah. are like why don't you just give this up yeah. you're wrong just admit that you're wrong yeah
1: but they're not saying it's a sin to laugh and things like yeah yeah like they're not telling him like yeah. you shouldn't learn anything because learning is of the devil you know that's yeah. <laughs> like i mean that's he, how it yeah, came across to me i was like vener- venerable you're you kind of don't study don't do it. exactly uh i i uh Really confused as to what this is. Just like little stuff that I just had to write down. Like uh, at mm. the end when they when they condemn the woman and that monk runs up and rips her shirt off. Yeah, what's that about? I was wondering
0: <laughs> too. They were they just uh, wanted her to be naked more on the movie. No, they were time. they were yeah. they
2: were pulling the uh, the rooster out of her. The rooster? Uh, yeah, she had t- she had tucked it into her tunic, and oh, so I missed that. yeah, so like yeah, like you could see like a little bit of the tail, oh, and so okay. like it like, just rips rips totally it off, and it all off. The, and all the monks are like, oh, it literally it just and, uh, seemed
1: like they ran up to her and just started ripping her. That's clothes what it's, off, that's like, what it seemed what like what to me. Doing? I was like, <laughs> well, I was no, like that's that was
2: that was the thing between her and Ron Perlman. But I
1: didn't know that she had the rooster on her. Yeah,
2: she yeah she tucked it away. It
1: seemed like a poor excuse just
0: to get her naked one more time on the film to me. I was like okay yeah we just need to Actually, see uh, if, again. I mean
1: if that is the case I th- if that's the case that the rooster is on her and that's what they're trying to get off I like that but I feel like, I guess I feel like they should have shown the done rooster. A better job of like illustrating that. yeah but that's a that's a uh, Minor. little thing I don't really care uh, okay. the robes look really comfy Uh <laughs> look like big snuggies but like who, uh, in the, the back. franciscans or all, all of, them? of them yeah all of them i was yeah. reminded well, the, the of the benedictines
2: uh, definitely eat a lot better than the franciscans do yeah. and then you've got the papal envoys who show up did and, y'all think um, of, oh, oh uh
1: and and uh f Murray Abraham's robe probably looked the best out of all of them i mean very mm-hmm. very like velvety and comfy Connors yeah. look pretty comfy did yep.
0: y'all think of star wars when you're watching this no I thought of, well, apparently I think some of, like, maybe Connery's robe was actually um, yeah, they said from Star Wars.
1: Somebody read the IMDb trivia. I did. <laughs> somebody did.
0: But, yeah, I, I was like, this looks very Jedi. Like, especially the scenes where uh, Connery and Slater are walking together and they have, like, their hands in their sleeves yeah. and stuff. And I was like, and, yeah, so. Um, um, apparently Lucas did. Uh, like the jump cut from
1: him. the prayer to Mary to the guilty verdict yeah you like that yeah okay uh, this movie reminds me of uh, Ken Russell's The Devils have you seen this
2: no but I've, I've seen a few Ken Russell movies but I haven't seen that the one The Devils is uh, essentially this film
1: except like the last 10 minutes of this film for like 2 hours so it's like all about the trials and everything oh boy and, uh, that's what I could have used a lot more of that I guess uh, the latter like, when, half like just F. Murray Abraham's like yeah because like, all that scene those scenes are interesting like where he's if you don't agree with me then you're guilty too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like all that kind of stuff. And I, that's the, I like that kind that of was, stuff. So.
0: Yeah, that was the
1: most interesting. Part. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Uh, William of Baskerville is the proto-Indiana <clears throat> Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, kind of. I like the death of Bernardo Gui. Spoiler. Yeah. When he falls onto the... Bikes. I don't know what they are even. Yeah, uh, it's, it's something like a thresher some, or something. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, that or like some of the mechanical workings underneath the carriage.
1: Yeah, that was killer. Uh, yeah. Lots of blood. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. the blood. And then I, I had a, I just, what does the title mean? I don't have any
0: idea. Oh, I know. Oh, go ahead. It's the girl. The name of the rose. At the end of the film, he says, "I never knew her name." The name of the rose. Why is she a rose? She, the rose is like. I guess a metaphor for a woman or a girl. Oh, the name of the rose. I didn't get that at all. The name um, of the
1: beautiful thing. And then I have.
0: Is that? Am I right? No. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> <He's not right. laughs> that was my interpretation.
1: Can you explain it, Kevin? Because uh, it's based on a book. You've read the book. By yeah, I've read the set. book.
2: And yeah, it's like the uh, like the the title. Like there, you know, I mean, there is no rose. Apparently, there what is each, no rose. Yeah. Apparently, from what I've read, Eco's, uh thing was, like, you know, by the time, like, you've searched for – th- I think it's – thinking of it now, it's very, like, uh, Douglas Adams with uh, uh, 42. Like, the Meaning the, of Life is 42 Yeah, like, Hitchhiker's uh, Well, like – Beyond that, like it's by the time you get to the answer, you've forgotten what the question was.
0: No, I was asking like you, the question the whole movie. I was like, "What is the name of the rose?" Mean? Why does it need to be anything? Why name <laughs> the movie that? then? It doesn't
1: need to be anything, and it's fine that that's the name. I was just curious. Well, like, um, so wait,
0: I didn't really catch the explanation. So,
2: what was that? It's the the thing is like looking like you get so far into this search for knowledge that you forget what you were looking for in the first place so like you're looking for the name of the rose but by the time you've gone however far then by this time there's not
0: even a rose anymore is that like a play on like a common phrase i'm not getting because i don't see how like that idea connects with the phrase the name of the rose
2: let me tell you something the uh, the book is very, is a, is much longer and goes into way further depths. It's longer a than two hours. A lot of different things. Um, yeah, like, like the whole the whole with Ron Perlman. Like, there's the dulcimites and all that. Dulcianites yeah, and all that. Like, there's maybe like a hundred some odd pages of Eco talking about different heretical sects and why they were different from other heretical groups and which ones branched off into other groups and like as far as the book goes like if you're into medieval theology then by all means you That's know you'll isn't. probably really enjoy this book but uh like personally I got more enjoyment from the movie because I like that it's boiled down into you know not necessarily simplistic ideas but they're expressed in a more approachable way exactly and like honestly screw books right <laughs> movies
1: for life movies Am for I right life. who wants to read a book when it's been watch, adapted into a movie just watch the movie exactly books are lame. Are, are you making a, are you making a comment
0: about our people foreshadowing little foreshadowing, <laughs> a little uh, foreshadowing. <laughs> um all right, so I, y'all ready for me? I have. I oh, have, more uh, I
1: have uh, questions for you. <laughs> okay,
0: based on your review, go ahead. Okay, based on my review that I have not given.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, all right. Um, there was aspects of this movie that I did enjoy that I liked. I, as well as John, I enjoyed the the atmosphere and like the grit and grime of the medieval setting. I thought they captured that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have a. Well, I had some problems with Connery, but it wasn't really his acting. But I felt like overall his, his acting, like the acting throughout was was decent, was good. I think my main thing with Connery was not him himself, but like his character. And I guess, you know, he embodies that character. But like the fact that he's the only real likable and like intelligent person and like kind of what you said, how they kind of overplay this the anti-intellectualism of all these monks like that just seemed really heavy-handed to me like you know for good reason and forget learning but i'm like but you're monks like in the middle you guys were like the scholars of your time and so like he was very much like this kind of man out of time where he's this you know intellectual and logician and like Sherlock, sherlock holmes character But, like, he just kind of, like, the fact that, yeah, he's, like, the only real likable and smart character, like, uh, it seemed heavy-handed, like, they're getting across this message, like, you know, faith is bad, intellect is good. I would have liked to seen a little more, like, Shades of Grey with maybe a few more likable Benedictine characters that were, like, skirting that reason and faith. Boundary, and I would have liked to see more like depth of his character, like not just being like this intellectual, you know, mystery solver, but seeing more of like the components of his faith mixed with that logic. I think that would have made him a more like you know deep character. But yeah, I felt some of it like it's surprising that like I didn't have as much problem with Life of Brian in that regard, but with (laughs) this, I felt like it was. Like, even though that wasn't, like, the main, I guess, point of the film, it it seemed like that message seemed, like, very, like, in-your-face and obvious and, like, heavy-handed. Um, and that might
2: just be, like, a personal thing or a personal bias, but... Well, like, um, uh, w- one thing, like, with, with that, like, there's, like, uh, the venerable Yorgi, like, there's a scene where he's actually, like, addressing everyone over dinner and he's talking about, you know the like divine recapitulation of knowledge not seek
0: yeah he's like no and the he, whole, says, and the whole he th- says we should preserve knowledge not yeah. search for knowledge preserve and that to me was just like what like that doesn't make any sense like he, for you for like for this time period for your character and everything but it's he like,
2: explains that later when he's running through the labyrinth you know, why he hid the book in the first yeah. place. Yeah, and
0: all right, so, like, that's my other real main problem with the film is, like, the reveal of the mystery. And, like, you know, obviously we're spoiling this whole thing. But so he ends up be- you know, the venerable Yorgi ends up being the murderer, and he's murdered people over this book that's, like, the comedies from Aristotle or whatever. And, you know, he wants to, you know, withhold it from anybody reading it because, you know, this could lead people to laugh and to laugh at God. And, you know, comedy is a is a and laughing is a horrible thing or whatever. Like, for one, that just seems like a really weak, like reveal, like to me, at least, it was just like a weak reveal of like, you know, we've had all these gruesome deaths and like, you know, the whole stuff with um, the murders mirroring revelation I thought that was interesting but they didn't like really go into more of that it just kind of stopped and then like the reveal that like he's you know killing people over this book and that he's gone to such great lengths to like keep this book out of people's hands and it was like why not just destroy the book or like hide it away where nobody can find it like that would have easily would have solved your problem. It would
1: have been a much better movie, I agree. If if they just had <laughs> the book and then like he comes and there's no mystery and they just sit around talking for two but hours. But
0: I, I don't buy that though. You're like, well, you can't get rid of that because then you wouldn't have a movie. I'm like, well, just make a better plot up. You know, like. Well,
1: then it's not a it's not an adaptation of the name of the rose.
0: Well, then write a better book.
1: Well, how, you've never read the book.
0: Well if that's in the <laughs> book then I disagree with
2: that or I think that's a bad plot or a bad plot I don't know about that point. I
1: think that you you have you've seen that Well also you're you're revealed. assuming
2: that he's known that the book was there the entire time like this whole thing starts when they stumble upon it and then he realizes what it is and then Well he realizes what it is ca-
0: and then he starts like you know poisoning the pages so people die whenever they lick the pages and stuff so Cool I was just like, if you have a problem with that, just get rid of I love of the, the book, green you know? slime
1: arsenic that he put on it. Like yeah. the weird like grass clippings and stuff yeah it. Yeah. I don't know. Jordan I don't hated know. this movie. We were way off.
0: Like I don't know. Yeah, the mystery I didn't feel like like the mystery was that great, you know, in the reveal. I don't know, like I was curious like alright, who's murdering and everything, but yeah, that just that reveal didn't do it for me um and and the way they kind of like they lead up to the murders like it was kind of kind of murky like what was going on in the beginning, and then, like you, John, I had a problem with the exposition not that not that you said you had a problem with the exposition in this film, but there's that oh, scene it, that it. scene where Connery is like giving you know the whole like recap to the abbot of about like. Well, this is what happened, this well, is that's what a happened. a
1: classic uh, detective story trope, you know? I mean, you have to do that in, in a film. Yeah, like, I, mean, I just film felt like
0: they could have done it story. better like in a different way. I just personally didn't like that's how they a, like flash back into like them actually doing it oh, as see, he's I, talking I, I about it. to see
1: it. If he had just been talking about it, I would have been a nightmare. I like the fact that they flashed to them actually I showing
0: mean, what happened. I mean, that scene helped me understand, oh, that's what's going on in yeah. the film, and that's why it was needed mm-hmm. with the way it, the film was written. But I feel like... They could have given you, like, they could have, like, given a little more, like, subtle inclination for the audience to, like, be able to follow the mystery a little more instead of Connery just telling you, like, this is what's happening and that's the only way that you get it. Um, Okay. And then I feel like this film is trying to do, like, way too much. Like, you've got the murder mystery, but a lot of it hinges on. The romance between Slater and the girl, and Does it? well, a that a lot of it hinges well, on the romance. Well, you've got and the well, girl. you've got th- like three big parts of the film, like Connery and his search for the answers to the murder, mm-hmm. Slater and his romance with this girl, and like his you know that conflict with him being a monk and everything. And then you've got the Spanish Inquisition at the end, and like how they're gonna you know you know they're putting these people in trial and they're gonna burn them at the stake and everything like i guess i would have preferred it if they have just stuck to one thing or you know wrapped the murder mystery up into like the the spanish inquisition a little bit more but the romance to me like all right so he sees the girl in the field he's attracted to her and then the only other scene with her is where he meets her in the kitchen and then they have sex i i felt like that was way too soon Like it just seemed really rushed. It was just like, oh, we need a sex scene in this film. Like they could have developed that romance and like them, they could have at least had a couple other interactions with each other before they got to that point. But it was just like, oh, I see you in field. Oh, I see you in kitchen, and let's let's have sex.
1: Can Uh, can we just get the brass tacks here? What's that? (laughs) Sorry, this scene. That we're speaking of right now, yeah, is a very graphic sex. Scene. It's very graphic, way more sexual and graphic than anything in Under the Skin. I did not know this, so I, I this is this is what I have to question. I'm sorry, yeah. I have to bring it up. Yeah, I don't understand. Oh, that's fine. Like. You clearly, you, you're you Mr. IMDb. You go and read all the content advisories. You had to have known this was coming.
0: I actually didn't for this film. Uh,
1: of course not. Of course not.
0: for film. Well, Kevin's words were, oh yeah, you know, because, you know, just saying it out here, I didn't watch the, Under the Skin because I had, you know, personal conviction of the amount of nudity that I thought was in this film. I didn't feel comfortable watching that. For this film, you know, talking about it with Kevin, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's got this one sex scene in it, but it's not that bad." And that, yeah, but really,
2: <laughs> I don't consider it that graphic. I,
1: I, I don't. <laughs> you con-
2: see a lot. I mean,
1: I consider it of to be. Both-
2: actors. I mean
1: yeah, I, I think it's pretty graphic. And I, beyond That's that, coming I mean, from John but beyond too. Beyond that. I mean I'm not, not like it's not like it's pornography or anything and I'm totally fine with it, especially since the woman is gorgeous in this movie. But I but covered I mean,
0: in dirt and whatever. She looks hot. like a rat
1: But the point <laughs> she is she is a beautiful girl. My point yes. is that this scene is so sexual. I mean it's hot. Like if <laughs> yeah. you're watching like it's a good scene. It's like it's like skin hot. And like <laughs> There's nothing even close to that in Under the Skin. Okay. It never get sexual like that in Under the Skin. All right. Yeah, I see. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But just back to the movie and that scene. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just felt like it was kind of uncalled for. Like it was just like really. And then the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking like I, I didn't. It just wasn't believable for me because I'm watching it. And I'm like, well, he's a monk and he's he's already like freaked out but all these rumors of like the devil being in the he's 15, monastery man. and stuff he's all, yeah he's also but I'm a like,
2: teenager and he's looking like at this
0: gorgeous kidding? woman yeah. but wouldn't he have like some resistance he did as a monk have some you know?
1: resistance. it's not like he
2: just immediately was like
1: hell yeah let's do it <laughs> he was like oh what what's happening yeah, she was she came on to him she yeah there's a linky there's off. a linky
2: shot where he's like leaning back going exactly well, wait, wait uh, Wait, but what, but, what but, but 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 then that's okay. the good
1: point. Okay, she, she, he is leaning back, but he's also letting it happen, which makes sense because you see him giving her those looks in the field earlier, so you know yeah. she's into her.
0: He, you know he's into he's her. He's into her. Yeah, he yeah. wants her. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and yeah, the, the and,
1: physical man part who that's not a monk wants yeah a woman can, who is beautiful. I can buy that. And I she, just... a woman, wants. His thing. I
0: just wanted, I just wanted a little more conflict of like, you know, his his faith impacting that choice, you know, and then and even well then, it does, even, it well, does well, then like even after that, like yeah, he's he's in lying awake in bed and, uh, awake, and he's like, well, can I confess to you, um, you know, William or whatever, <laughs> and like he seems conflicted, and the movie seems like they're showing him conflicted in that moment, uh-huh. but then he's like, well, I love her, I want the best for her and Connor's like you are in love so the movie is like making this point that like oh yeah he's in love and it, you know These like Con- are
1: simple people jordan it's the 1300s or 1327. whatever 1327
0: but it's not the people it's like the movie I felt like the direction and like the script, or does, whatever, is like, does, oh, like okay. he is in love with this girl, yeah, and like is. that's how we're gonna push this this forward for the rest of the film. Yeah, we're like he's gonna sh- try and save her or whatever. I'm but, like, but I, I don't know, Jordan, I just didn't Jordan, buy it. Jordan,
1: didn't buy it. This that, is me, man. I know, I know. But Adso is 15. <laughs> okay. Right?
2: I didn't know <laughs> that actually. He seemed older in the film. As a 15 year old, no, yeah, he's he's very young. You
1: want uh, have, when you were 15 year old? Didn't you think that you were in love with somebody? And it ended up not to be so. Well,
0: that's okay that he thinks he's in love. But then when Connery
2: is like,
1: "By God, you are in love." Okay, I wrote you down. Know? I wrote down a quote.
2: I actually, right. I actually I, like that part because like Jordan's making it a little, a little simplistic. He's like, "Ah, but are you not confusing he, he love does. with lust?" Yeah, he, he does, does say that. that, and then he, and then, I he like go, that. then then like then Slater gives his reasons like, "Oh dear, you are in love." Yes. Why, oh that's- dear. Well, for a monk, it does present certain problems. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. And then, and, and then, that to me is where I felt like they start quoting the
2: scriptures about it. Well,
0: that to me is like yeah, where I felt like then it becomes the film saying like let's present this as he is in love and let's move forward if with like he this romance he is in whatever. love,
1: What's the difference? What is the difference between the re- actual reality of the subject and his belief in it? I'm okay with It's more of the theme, really, when you think about it, of the film, about faith versus logic.
0: Well, I liked I like that in eh? with yeah. I, I like that with Slater's character you and, and and then as we get into Connery's character later on where we get more about his past and like how he had to mm-hmm. kind of recant and like this guy was killed because of him and he didn't stand up for the truth in that moment or whatever. And then later he does. I liked that that he yeah. stood up for the the truth and the trial and everything. I like I like some aspect of that romance and like you know the the, the head versus the heart or you know um, faith versus his feelings and his love and everything. Mm-hmm. I liked how that became a conflict kind of between Connery and Slater later when he's like. Well, you didn't do anything. You didn't say anything, you know. To and that's coming from his his love and you know his mm-hmm. passion for this woman and everything. I just felt like they could have developed it a little bit more earlier on to really make me buy it.
1: Can I read my quote, please? Do it. Okay. So mm-hmm. when they're talking about love versus lust, and, yeah. and and the girl, he says, and I quote, Sean Connery says, "More bitter than death is woman." woman. Yeah. And then, uh, but then I I wrote after that. That girl doesn't look too better to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Brilliant. Well, then I, I did like the line where Connery is like, you know, there there have to be some virtues of woman for God to put her on this earth or whatever, you know. She also love the think like, like, if you know like, what I mean. does it, <laughs> like all that dirt. Like, <laughs> does it? Does it?
2: Thomas Aquinas praise love as the highest of virtues. Yes, the love of God. But what about woman? Of woman, Thomas Aquinas knew precious little. <laughs> yeah. I that's, that a, was... that's another thing I love about the movie, like the like Connery's like little humorisms and like even some like uh in the very the very first scene with the Abbot and uh Malachia, like there's only there is only one authority capable of investigating this, the holy inquisition. And then Michael Lonsdale, the Abbot, he's like mm, mm, wish you hadn't mentioned that. Alright, you remind Whoa. you reminded me
0: alright, and I'll will quit of my derision in this film. <laughs>
2: Then cottery too, like laying into Christian Slater, like (laughs) must have been a very ugly monk. Why ugly? If he'd been young and beautiful, she no doubt would have indulged, blessed him with her carnal favors for nothing.
0: Can you quote the part where he talks about the uh, (laughs) the monk relieving himself in the beginning? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah,
2: the uh, the the...
0: where you like enter
2: the forecourt, the edificium on your left enter the quadrangle on your right and you'll find the place you're in need of behind the third arch
1: i like that too like how he uses deduction yes yes uh,
2: i thought that was a good good way to establish that he's very for sure and even then like logical if you know if you know if you if the window had been open you wouldn't have spoken of unrest you would have simply concluded that he'd fallen yeah, you know, very like very. I like how Connery keeps like, even though he is very scientific and very logical, he explains it in a very simplistic way without being condescending for yeah. the most part. Yeah, because some, sometimes he is because you know. That's well, I like how they the character, they, they develop that as well as like
0: almost like a flaw later on where they're talking about like his yeah. vanities and his arrogance. And I like how the your the, stubborn
2: intellectual pride.
0: Yeah and you could see that somewhat but yeah for the most part he's using it to to benefit the case and everything yeah one one more thing that i didn't really care for is the ending where well two more things really uh the ending where they escape the library mm-hmm. and i did think it was uh you know me being a librarian this film's centered around this book and the uh the the labyrinth of this library and stuff and mm-hmm. connery is like the m- most excited man I've ever seen to walk into a library. He's like the library, and he's the books. You know, uh, I didn't have a problem with that. I just thought it was funny. Um, but the way they escape the library after the fire, mm-hmm. like I'm convinced that Connery is going to die, and I'm actually like okay with that. Watching the film, I'm like, all right, this is this is just how it should go. Like Slater gets out, and he's narrating it, so he's telling the story, and then like. They don't ever really explain how Connery gets out. It's just like I know cut away, know. and he, he gets out. He comes out. And it I, just felt like... And, and, bef- and the, before they show that, they show F. Murray Abraham's character, you know, like, oh, we got to get out of here. You know, the whole place is on fire. Let's just leave him with all their trouble. And then the, you know, the carriage gets stuck, and the peasants push him over the cliff, and he gets impaled. At that oh, point yeah. I was just yeah. like I didn't like that. I felt like it was just an ex- like it was an excuse for him to die like a- again I felt to me it was just like the 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 plot was showing through or like the devices of the plot were showing through in a lot of places where Oh, he's the villain. He has to die. So we need an excuse for him to die. His carriage gets sucked. He gets impaled. And, like, we just need this dramatic moment of him dying because he's the bad guy. I would have much preferred if he just, like, actually got away and lived like he does in the book. And that would have been more, like, tragic and, you know, interesting. And then I really wish, kind of wish that Connery did just die in the fire, but by him just kind of miraculously getting out of the library alive, I felt like, again, that's just another, like, well, he's the good guy. He needs to live. So he he escapes, you know? And that, to me, just felt kind of weak. Do you think the girl should have died like she did in the book? I didn't know that. Uh, I like the scene at the end where he
2: um, sees her on the road and then he just keeps le- He just keeps going. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because by, that, by that time, he's figured out that it's not, you know, like... Worth it, yeah. Well, it's not. Lo- it's sex not isn't worth it.
1: I should be celibate for the rest of my life.
0: I'm have this one <laughs> sexual encounter, but then like never. And then just
1: dream about
0: it forever. Yeah, that that sucks.
1: <laughs> um, no, I uh, I agree. Actually, I think uh, when Sean Connery was about to d- when he's in the thing trapped, I was like, oh, he's gonna die. That's fine. You know, that sounds good. You know, yeah, it be like his. Uh, Martyrdom or whatever. Yeah, too. yeah, for and, the books. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and when he when he comes out, I was I didn't have that big of a deal. But I didn't think that <laughs> that big of a problem with him. He comes out, and it's kind of funny because he has all the books and he throws them on the ground and stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I the, the I, rats I actually agree also way. that uh, F Murray Abraham's death is kind of uh, uh, not convenient. Uh, it's just not like driven by anything. It's I, I agree. It's like he's the villain, so he needs to die. Yeah. I would liked also I do like the death. Cause I would have liked also, it more. The
0: whole, I would have liked it more if like. You know that scene where the peasants are starting to pick up rocks to like throw him at them to, to stop the uh, the burning? Yeah, they should have stoned them. Yeah, that would have been great. Would have been killer. <laughs> yeah, and with, like a turnaround on the religion, you know, or like yeah. the evil quote unquote peasants are stoning the religious people. Yeah, like they great. did in Life of Brian. that
1: would have been great. Should have okay, more stonings. So, star ratings? Or? All right. We, I mean, it's like yeah, we're down to it. Yeah, so, so. getting late.
0: All right. I still got feedback to get to it. I, uh, I gave this film three stars. Did you really? Yeah. Called it. All right. What'd you give it?
1: 3.75. All right. Oh, somebody just lost. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hang on, hang on. Let I it. really didn't think you would like this figure that much. <laughs> You I don't, actually, turn this upside down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually gave it a four initially, and then I thought about it some more, and I was like, well, I thought about a couple of problems. I I'd drop it a little bit. But, what were the uh, couple of problems? It's like what we just talked about, and then like, uh, you know, just like, I don't know, like four seems like, like I gave, I gave Mother a four, you know. I mean? Yeah. I really uh, okay. appreciated Mother a lot more than this. This seems more like a, um, like it's it seems like a forgotten film. Uh, especially for, mm. for having someone like Sean Connery in it, and it's like, well, like
2: yeah, Connery, F. Murray Abraham, Ron Perlman, Christian Slater, yeah, like you know, fairly like they go on to be fairly bigger names.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's a pretty uh, like nobody talks about this movie, and I can kind of see why because it just feels it feels kind of disposable in a way. Not that it's bad, it just feels like one of these you know, like almost like almost like a misfire. Not that it's again, not that it's a failure in my eyes, but like I could totally see why like this did not do well here
2: <laughs> yeah. because I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very
1: like kind of uh you know like though just again like the look of it and the grossness of it and kind of the subject matter is just not anything that american audiences are interested in i hear that it did very well in in france or somewhere yeah overseas it and like, like even some of the posters
2: million. that i've seen of the movie it's like obvious they did not know how to market it yeah, like what sure. crowd yeah. i saw a lot of reviews like i guess when it first came out saying like it was
0: unintelligible. Like, the cinematography was really dark. Like, what? I couldn't see anything. Like, it was really murky. But I didn't have that problem at all, did y'all? Me neither. Maybe uh, it was just the, the no, digital transfer or whatever that Ooh, I watched. But yeah, it was I, fine. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I watched it on DVD. It looked fine. Yeah, yeah, I thought it looked fine.
0: I thought, John, you would have had a, a problem with, like, the ending, like, being kind of cheesy. Like, the narration and stuff.
1: I didn't like the narration either. That was... Uh, but, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I, I don't like narration in general, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's many people who can pull off narration. I Sports thought the
0: narration thing. was a little cheesy, but I liked that Slater. Like for a film, to me, like I said, I felt like it was kind of preachy, like anti-faith. I felt like the narration at least had like a smart-sounding Christian character, you know, talking about like now that I'm old and I thought and blah, the narr- blah, blah. I
1: thought it was F. Ephraim Abraham narrating because I was like, where is Ephraim Abraham in this movie? He must <laughs> be, the, he must be the old. <laughs> I think that must Slater. be him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: They're going yeah, that would have been interesting to show old Christian Slater character. Okay, uh. Uh, you want your
1: assignment? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the library has this, so you're in luck. All right. Uh, you're gonna watch Leviathan, which oh. is from 2012. It's a documentary about uh, fishing
0: fishermen. Yeah, I just heard about this on film spotting. Actually, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Directed to see by
1: it. Lucian Castang, Taylor and Verena Paravel, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, good luck.
0: That's that's interesting. I yeah, I was actually considering that as one of my picks for next week. So
1: Well don't just watch I'll it. i just watch I've that already seen it. And so. we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't pick it
0: anyway. Yeah, uh, it was in film spotting's episode about um top five religious experiences at the movies and they one of the
1: guys talked about it is a religious <laughs> <laughs> It's very hypnotic. Yeah it's very yeah. short though, it's like eighty seven minutes long. Okay. So. Oh, cool. okay. You, you, I, I don't know I feel it's like, like very that, abstract and stuff right? yeah I dig it a lot I, okay. it, I loved it actually. I'm interested I think I gave it a five so okay yeah.
0: I heard about it on film junk oh film junk versus
1: film spotting well, there's no versus film junk is the king But well yeah. film yak of course film yak is, film yak is the emperor. emperor the emperor <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the emperor oh, god, god emperor. Emperor. <laughs> let's get to this feedback already
0: <laughs> alright well so for our feedback um, you know we ask you listeners to send us An email at feedback at com if you have any suggestions or, uh, you know, responses to our show. Criticisms. Criticisms. So, uh, we got a response from Todd. Thank you for your email. And, um, you know, he's very, very pleasant in his email, but he did take issue with us kind of dismissing the book uh, for Under the Skin in our review. Um, Felt like we kind of left, we kind of had a missed opportunity where we could have gained some more context from... Um, you know, reading the book, or not that we didn't read the book, but that we kind of dismissed reading the book at all. Um, but he did also suggest some some other films for us to talk about and some other ideas. So uh, thanks, Todd, for that. He uh, suggested Leo's Caraxes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Caraxes Holy Motors from 2012, and uh, doing a top 10 puzzle box uh, list of films or films that defy interpretation. So I thought that was interesting uh, suggestion. We might get into that one day, but um, John, since he kind of took issue mostly with uh, your dismissal of the book, I'd like you to politely respond <laughs> <laughs> to his criticism. And I think me and Kevin have talked about this about yeah. movies versus books, and I know Kevin has some thoughts on it as well. Yeah, so we
1: we've I've talked about movies versus books on yeah. this show. I don't. Yeah. This show is about movies, yeah. so I don't... I'm, like, uh, okay, I mean, you know, again, yes, thank you, Todd, for your email, absolutely, and write in as much as you want, but, like, the idea that, I mean, it just his email seemed a little weird, like, he, he, he said multiple times, like, not that you have to read the book, but it would have made it a richer discussion, Yeah. and it's like, yeah, obviously there would be more to talk about if we read the book for every movie we watch, but I don't have time to do that. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm not interested at all in reading Michael Faber's Under the Skin. Like, I just could care less. Like, I the film is the film. I like the film. I like Jonathan Glazer. I like Scarlett Johansson. And I like the film. I love the film. Yeah. I'm not interested at all in reading the novelization of the film, or not. So I mean, just, not a, but the book that the film is adapted from, yeah. I just don't care.
0: It's like a personal taste you're yeah, just not into. I have into so it.
1: many books that I need to read. Like this thing is not even registering. For okay. me. you know what I mean. So just not important. Yeah, really, it's just not to something. You. It doesn't. To you personally. It doesn't contribute any. I don't. I don't feel like it's necessary to have a discussion about the film. Like we don't need to have read the book. Yeah. Like I haven't read the book of a lot of films I've seen. I'm, the film is what I'm talking.
0: Yeah, about. I'm yeah. with you on that respect. It's like. we're talking about the film we're talking about the film and yeah the the book might have like some insights into the mystery or the characters but like if we're here to judge a film and to like talk about its successes and failures i don't feel like you can really bring the book into that like you yeah, yeah like that might be interesting kind of like inform your understanding but like i like to just approach a film in and of itself just for what it is cuz we're talking about the medium medium of film. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and also with uh Under the Skin, uh Todd was kind enough to explain some of the things uh to answer some of the questions that we were asking in our discussion on it last time at the same um you know, it's good to have those, you know, questions answered, but at the same time like with the way the movie is presented, I feel like having all the answers from the book might have made this movie uh, slightly less interesting because with the book we have the answers but with the movie it's open to interpretation so we can ask questions we can you know think about different things and say if it was if they were explained in the movie or in the book then we might not have had as interesting a discussion where we're asking all the questions that we end up asking and uh you know as as like i i used to be very hardcore on the i'm going to read the book before i see the movie and i got to say you know like i agree with john and jordan like you know the book is the book the movie is the movie and you know, there are two very different mediums and you can't necessarily... I mean, there are certain instances where, um, like, The Watchmen is a pretty good example of this for me. Like, it's basically a moving version of the comic. So, at that point, you know, there's no... Like, I don't feel there's any, like, real creativity in what we're seeing on the screen and how it's presented. So why wouldn't I just, you know, read read The Watchmen again? Um, yeah, it's, and, like, it's like
1: it's like when you think about a musician. Yeah, a musician uh, plays an album or, or records an album, right? And you buy the album, and it's like, wow, these songs rule. You know, these are yeah. such good songs. They're so well crafted. They're beautiful, beautifully played, beautifully written. And then you go see him live. You don't want him playing the songs exactly like they're played on their right, album you yeah. want him to experiment or jam out a little bit with them right or like change it up a little bit have a different but not too much no all the way if you want i mean i remember <laughs> when i saw animal collective the first time they were playing stuff from their acoustic records, like through samples, mm-hmm. and like not acoustic sample, like samples of like you know weird like synthesizers and stuff. You know what I mean? They changed mm. it up entirely, and it's just like because that's what they were doing at the time. They were done with acoustics for that time. Yeah, but it's like, and I mean, yeah, it's it's like I agree. It's like like uh, you know if it's it, with the case like Sin City or or or, or three hundred or Watchmen. Yeah, it's like in that case. Obviously, like if you prefer reading comics to watching movies, then just read the comics. And if the comics, uh, I mean, like in that case, it's easier to say, well, the book is better or the movie is better. But it's like in most cases, and in the case of Under the Skin, I don't think you can make that judgment call. It's like one is better if you prefer that medium. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I prefer watching films to reading books a hundred thousand times over. So, like, I, like, I will always prefer to watch Under the Skin rather than sit down for, 10 days in a row and read it you know what <laughs> i mean it's like it's just a it's just a, a much easier engagement
2: real chore um and you know like it's a it's 500 pages with really small print and like there's maybe 100 some odd pages where they're not focusing on any of the characters, not focusing on any of the murders that are going on in the Abbey. Yeah. And also, um, like, for me, the best example is uh, Blade Runner and Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Mm. I, like, I. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. I thought the book was very boring. And I thought the character, like Deckard's, motiv- Deckard's motivations in the book, were really kind of lackluster. I and, just Bill
1: K Dick, though. Well, I'm not concerned with stuff like that.
2: <laughs> well, he's got some. He's got some other good books, like the three, the three Stigmata. Palmer Eldritch is way out there, and it's really great. Um, but, but, uh, but you're just saying, like, but yeah, like because, as as a book experience, I did not really enjoy Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah. Now, uh, if you want to... Like like we did... Uh, we talked about uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest a while back. I very much enjoyed the literary experience of reading One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, you go to the movie, and it's obviously very, very different. But the cinematic experience of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is also very good. Yeah. Well, they're and not... They're like, they're not just, again, they're not... They're two different yeah, they're things. Not, they're yeah. not the same.
1: A book. A book is raw information it's like it's words on a page there's nothing yeah to like you create the movie in your head a movie is a movie a movie is like a, a constructed piece of aesthetics that you have you know what i mean like that
2: you're presented with exactly like yeah you,
1: you don't get to change the movie you you get to watch the movie and the movie happens to you whereas like a book is i mean a book is like like that's what you're saying earlier about unless how, you're george lucas that's what you were saying earlier about how uh, under the skin is uh like how our, our listener Todd said that uh, the book explains a lot of things that the movie doesn't. And it's mm. like, yeah, I'm sure it does because the book, you know, again, the book is uh, going to take a lot longer to ingest than the film. The book has a lot more time to fill. So obviously it's going to have more detail. But yeah. the lack of that detail in the film makes the film more interesting, in my opinion. Like I prefer there to be mystery. Yeah. I, prefer, I don't need to know. What planet she comes from, or or what what the real purpose of what she's doing. Like, none of that matters. It doesn't matter to me. It's a good film, like, beyond the themes. It's a good film just to look at. Like, it's gorgeous and it's um, amazingly well directed. And I mean, I don't like all these other, like, the story works without having to know the. Like nitty gritty details of the motivations and things like that. It yeah, oh, yeah, I think the and again like it you might brought... be
2: a much more yeah. As a literary experience, under the skin is probably a very fulfilling thing. But you know, you go you go to the movie and the way it's presented by Jonathan Glazer, it's presented as a very solid story that, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase, you know, you don't need to be spoon-fed. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you brought up a good example with the name
0: of the rose in the book. Like, I didn't feel like uh, just from your description of the book, I didn't feel like I'm, I'm missing out, even there's there's a lot more detail, I'm sure, uh, in the book. Um, but just, again, just taking the movie as it is for what it is, you know, I, I, yeah, I think Todd's argument is like, yeah, you could gain more context, you could gain more sure, information, yeah. and that's that's true, that's, you know, that's all good and fair, but again, just coming at the medium of film, we're talking about films and how they're presented to us and how those films are crafted. And so,
1: it's, And it seems like Todd thinks that I don't like it's not like I've never read a book like I, I've i read lots of books that are that movies are based off of. And I've even gone back and like read books like I, I just recently uh, read Rum, Rum Punch, which is an Elmore Leonard novel that Jackie mm, Brown is yeah. based on. I read it entirely because Jackie Brown is based on it. And it was a huge mistake, honestly, because like <laughs> I, it's very difficult to, to read after having seen that film so many times, you, you, you know, without like the character of Jackie is, is, is uh, a white woman in the book. So it's like, uh, it's difficult to, to separate So you're hearing Pam Greer's yeah. voice. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, yeah. I'm seeing her in my head and I'm just like, but that's not what she looks like. It says she has blonde hair, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, like I, 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 uh, we were talking the other day about uh, Child of God, Cormac McCarthy, and I, I watched yeah, James yeah. Franco's film of that, you know, and, and that's an example of where I would be like, I mean, if I have to compare the book to the movie and which one I enjoyed more, I enjoyed reading the book more than I enjoyed watching that movie, but I mean, again, like, difficult to compare, like, I mean, one of them is a, a an hour and a half long, yeah. the other one is, you know, 150 pages long, so it's like, yeah. it's like apples and oranges, and also, yeah. um,
0: I think that's the best point to make yeah. it's just not comparable
1: and he said that he's and he also said we, we i dismiss television which i i oh you No, <laughs> he was
2: specifically talking about the mini series of it I and i, know, and I won't know no watch no, no offense of todd it. i've read the i've read the book it and i honestly do not really enjoy the mini series i have seen it twice and
1: <laughs> i hate it i've seen it <laughs> twice <laughs>
2: I didn't hate well, it, but I, I don't.
1: Uh, I, I don't know if it was
0: so much like that we hadn't seen it or that we uh, didn't like it, but it was just the dismissal. Like I don't need to see that when it could possibly. Give, I mean, I don't uh,
1: think I do. It's it's literally like a miniseries from 30 years ago. I mean, I don't like the film, so I don't. I don't like the story of, of it, so I don't know why I would like, like the mini. Like, why don't yeah. go back and yeah. subject myself to it? It's like these people who watch Game of Thrones and say, "Well, <laughs> how many episodes did you watch though?" Because it gets really good. I'm like, how many episodes of this do I need to watch and hate before it's like acceptable to say I don't like this show? Yeah, like, that's. do you need to see all of it. Of yeah. crap Do I need to eat? Before I can say this tastes like crap, yeah, I don't want to eat this anymore.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's my that's been my biggest beef with that phrase. It's an acquired taste, like so I have to hate it enough to like it. Yeah,
1: it's bizarre.
2: (laughs) That's a good uh, good way to phrase it. Against
1: people who like Game of Thrones, obviously, but I I, well to to a point. Well, what I didn't
0: realize you liked Game of Thrones (laughs) to a point. But anyway, (laughs) we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, Thank you, Todd, for sending in your feedback and your your kind email to Todd. Though, yeah.
1: We're not going to review Holy Motors as a group. I'm not going to rewatch Holy Motors. You've, you've watched it? It's terrible. It's a terrible uh, film.
2: No offense, Todd. <laughs> I will but watch, no offense. I, yeah. I'd be
1: interested in watching, like he suggested Lovers on the Bridge. I'd be interested in watching some of Leo Scrax's other films that may be good, but Holy Motors was a train wreck, and I, I couldn't stand I that. did
0: watch the trailer, and I've, I was kind of, like from Todd's mention of it, I was like, oh, this, this might be good. This might be interesting. And then, yeah, watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks rough. Just from the trailer, I hated. Yeah, I saw it yeah. at
1: the Shaw Center a couple of years ago, and I just I couldn't. Say. It was so like, is it
0: is it like a pretentious rip off of David Lynch? Because that's kind of what I got it is, from. It's
1: surrealist, and I mean that's not to say it's a rip off of David Lynch necessarily, but it is. It's playing in that arena, and I'd say it's mm. more like a rip off of like surrealist Godard films, Buñuel films. Uh, uh, you could just like see all of his influences on screen, and it's really derivative and. Um, Pretty uninteresting to me, anyway. I know a lot of people love it, so I don't know, but I just I couldn't stand it.
2: Okay, yeah. And as far as puzzle box movies, I will happily rewatch Hellraiser.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's the puzzle. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what
0: what he meant by puzzle box. But uh, (laughs) I know, but (laughs) 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 pinhead. See what you did there. All right. Well, if you want to give us some feedback and get your question on the show, you can send us an email at feedback at com. again thanks Todd for your email and uh, so yeah up next next week uh, we'll be doing another deep dive episode and this time it's my pick Uh, I'll be picking Late Spring uh, from 1949 directed by Yasujiro Ozu hopefully I said that right Uh, and it's the first in the Noriko trilogy apparently and uh, so it goes Late Spring Early Summer and then Tokyo Story Tokyo Story being the only film of his that I've seen so far. But uh, it stars um, Hara, Setsuko Hara, as Noriko. I probably butchered that name. Um, And she's a 27-year-old woman living with her widowed father, and everybody tries to talk her into marrying and gets into this um, prearranged marriage, but she wants to stay at home caring for her father, so... Like many Ozu films, it's kind of a subtle, gentle family drama. I don't know if it'll be y'all's thing, but this is my pick. So uh, you can go get it on iTunes or Amazon Video or possibly through the public library wherever you live, and you can uh, watch it and join us uh, next week when we uh, when we drop our episode and tune in. So if you would, guys, if you're interested in more of our show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And if you, uh, if you would, also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps us out in uh, spreading our show to more listeners. And we have a website, filmyakpodcast.com, where you can listen to all our episodes. And we have a few, uh, or at least one blog post. And we have a poll-up right now uh, in honor of the name of the rose. Uh, we have a poll-up for what is the best medieval movie or movie set in the middle ages or medieval times causing so, a lot of uh,
1: controversy on the on the pure cinema boards or, or oh, criterion criterion Gyer or whatever that is
0: uh yeah one, one guy was asking what do you mean by the middle ages i'm like i thought that was he's like these exp-
1: like pretentious <laughs> douchebags oh! like they're like oh what is this though this is not this movie is not a middle ages film this is neo <laughs> Give me a break. It's just a fun poll. Go vote for your movie that you like. Like what is the big deal? Yeah, it's it's just oh a poll. God. It's it's just it's not that big of a deal is what I'm saying. Like just relax, you know? Yeah. Let's try to have fun with it. Yeah. Right? So
0: you know, go check out our poll on our website uh, <laughs> and vote for what you think is the best medieval movie.
1: Absolutely. I, uh,
0: I told Kevin you've got to put the name of the Rose on here because it's in your top ten, and no other medieval movie is in your top Excalibur ten.
1: Excalibur will be my
0: movie. I figured it would yeah, be. It yeah. Be. And uh, I voted for Holy Grail. Boom. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's we'll see. Not your- a
1: medieval movie. It's a comedy
0: but it's you set see, in, see, see. it's set yeah, in the yeah, yeah. slippery though you know it's yeah. set in the middle ages no, all course. right <laughs> all right so join us next week for more film yak
1: nights two out of five (laughs) get dead my friend